Hello and welcome to the Hitman's Last Great Year, a Smack Attic podcast project. We're sold out here. We're in New Jersey. I am here. I am Matt Vaughn. My guest co-host today, Will Vaughn, with me in the Garden State. Will Vaughn is here. How you doing, buddy? The co-host you are trying to reach is not available. Oh, Please no. Please try your call again. It's just like when we tried to give away a million dollars for SummerSlam 1997, the show we're covering tonight. What a worthwhile... T- oh, man. What a worthwhile... <laughs> Use of pay-per-view time to try to give away a million dollars. They never say when they give these stupid clues that they have like a one to one hundred chance, even if they make it to SummerSlam to be there with, uh, you know, to, to be really creepy with Sonny for a second um, and then get the I mean, just dialing people on the air. It's just death. It's death on the road, man. Why? I don't even think you could do a giveaway the same way because I feel like now when you say we're going to give away a million dollars, I feel like you have to give away a million dollars at some point as opposed to being like, well, if you if you play your cards right, if you do this all this esoteric nonsense, we can do it. I Well, they give them a $5,000 U.S. savings bond, Matthew. Because they're your grandfather. They're like what your aunt, your aunt or something like that. <laughs> I actually had to look up what a savings bond was. I'm yeah, they're like it's like funny. your grandma. It's like it's your bot mitzvah. Your grandma brings it over to you. <laughs> you get a five thousand dollars savings bond, courtesy of the World Wrestling Federation. All right, mankind in action here. For over fifty years, he have been giving uh, people <laughs> like liberty bonds, as if it's like we're still like we're trying to stop Mussolini Warrior from your troops. Here's Captain America. Right. Shawn Michaels is here. Oh, he doesn't look happy, does he? Let's attempt to do Boy, he's a sexy boy. <laughs> he's not your boy, Ty. We're talking about SummerSlam, 1997, August 3rd, 1997, the Continental Airlines Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. It's almost New York. And they do the thing on the show that I always love, which is when they're in New York and they get a guy outside the building, get the zoom lens on that camera, and they're like, in the distance. In this through the smog, you can it's see the Empire State, State Building, building maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, they're like in the shadow of New York City is what they always like to say. It's like, like respectfully we're here. This is way cheaper. And thanks, government, uh, the governor, for uh, uh, getting rid of that tax. Of course, tax crusher. <laughs> I just love. I love. Uh, like we're so close to New York. It's like, look, if New York got bombed, you guys would be fine. You're not that close to New York. Yikes! Three years later, uh, how was he? They didn't get bombed. Oh, they did get bombed earlier in the uh, early in the nineties. Actually, they mentioned it four years earlier. (laughs) Let's move on. It sold out. Will twenty thousand people in the building? Sold out to the rafters. If you showed a shot of that Stridex uh, blimp, you would see people and not empty seats behind it, my friend. Yes. I picked the wrong corner to put that thing in, by the way. Because was, the was, only, there, was there, I think it was the only corner where there were empty seats, like, way up at the top, like row Z Z Z. I don't even know. Like, maybe it's not even open, though. I mean, 20,000 people. 20,200. I mean, wrestlers always say we're playing to 20,000 people every night. Uh, and uh, extremely never that's true, except for, I guess, <laughs> East Rutherford. No, I remember the Meadowlands, I think, hosted like one of the first Summer Slams. And uh, I was really struck by the size of it. They had a really nice, like, long lens shot from, like, the very top corner. Uh, and also the the Meadowlands has that uh, like screen uh, in one of the in one of the corners where they show uh, oh glory, um, but it's a very unique building uh, that I don't think stands anymore because they, they have the Prudential Center. I think it's a is a new building. I thought or, the I thought it was the same building. I was foolishly I, I, no, it's you not. You're, you're totally right. You're totally oh, it's right. Not. I'm, I'm totally right. Oh, say that again. Yeah, you're totally right. I looked it up and I was like, oh, this is not there anymore. Weird, but. 
they have the it's not the Izod Center. I don't know if the Izod Center was what the uh, Prudential was called before that. I like a, I like a building being named after a polo shirt. I'm glad they did that for a little while there. Um, is Continental Airlines still existing? That's my other question. I don't think so. I don't think you can fly Continental anymore. Uh, it does say it is the Meadowlands Arena. It is the Izod Center. Okay. Uh, while it was known as what the hell is it known as now? Oh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's all good. Will, we're talking about SummerSlam 1987. Big show. Big show we're talking about. Something I, I love. I'm a big fan of this main event. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. We're going to get into it here. Let's talk about what last week's episode of the show. We covered Raw. And on that show, Bret Hart ate a surprising loss from the Patriot in the main event. That though he was, distra- he was distracted by Shawn Michaels, and there was also a Bret ref bump. Uh, and then The Undertaker very nearly came out, but the entrance was cut off by the end of the show, so we don't know what happens until later tonight when they finally show us the footage. That's right. Very exciting. And that was also the show, I believe, where Shawn Michaels uh, goes through asking about, <laughs> where JR talks about how the Patriot played football. Shawn Michaels is like, well, how do you know? And he's like, oh, his name's Del Wilkes. And he's like, well, why does he wear a mask? We know his name. And I was like, Sean, great points. I'm sure you're not Sean, helping anyone but when you say that. but <laughs> I'm going to try to find a photo of Del Wilkes. I bet he looks like a dork. I bet he does. <laughs> Unfortunately, he definitely sounds like one. Now, I will say he does have a great physique, um, sure. I think, it's, but, I think uh, his physique is Benoit-esque. Uh, it is Benoit-esque. I do, have a, uh, I do have his profile there. That's him. There you go. He doesn't look that much like a dork. I think he looks fine. No, he doesn't, actually. He looks like a, you know what? He looks like an American white man who played football. That's what he looks like. That's it. That's it. I don't know why the mask, but whatever. It's fine. I mean, it's a look, brother. It is a look, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, and uh, we often talk about a bonus match on the show. Uh, we are not doing that because we have the Bret Hart's in the main event. He's wrestling for the WWE Championship in a big main event, one of the biggest of the year. Every match in this match in this show is a bonus match. Everything. It's all bonus, all the way down. Um, yeah, weirdly, I could not find any information online about there being a free-for-all match whatsoever on this show. Now, now I think about it because the show opens with a... Uh, with a cage match, I wonder if they didn't do that because they wanted the cage up and ready to go. I wondered that as well because this is the time where they actually have to take time to set up that beautiful blue uh, steel cage that yep. uh, they can't just like lower it and pick it up and lower it like they do with the Hell in the Cell and the somehow like 97 ton elimination chamber. They're just like, yeah, we just pick it up and put it back down. <laughs> like, what? It's like, yeah, it's got a cable. Um, I don't trust that cable, <laughs> I gotta say. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's funny. Also, I always, as a kid, I just remembered that steel cage being twice as high. Right. It looks not very high. Yeah. Uh, it's it looks not like, it's, it's like, just like double the size of the, of the post. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. It's funny. So let's get into it. Let's talk about, well, we're talking about SummerSlam heart SummerSlam. and soul. Yes. Great tagline. So we begin in the middle of a rendition of the star spangled banner with fans holding their hands over their hearts. Or should I say hearts? This works better in text, like written out. Oh, yeah. I mean, Brian. I might ima- imagine what I said. That's it. Uh, so we're setting the stage tonight for some pa- with some patriotism. We get the normal WWF intro of the time, and then we get a great intro video, a classic one if there ever was one, where the announcer talks about what would happen if life were fair. So it says things like, if life were fair, Bret Hart wouldn't be hated by the fans. If life were fair, Undertaker wouldn't live under this cloud of doubt about what Paul Bearer is saying. And if life were fair, Shawn Michaels might still be champion. 
Not that, true. that one I have to bump against. I have to bump <laughs> against that one a little bit. Did, that's did, the didn't feel right like, for you there? Things were fair? Uh, that's Michaels just the most like, if life were fair, Shawn Michaels would be the president of the United States <laughs> and be everybody's baby daddy and be the greatest man alive. <laughs> if life were fair. Mr. Grace, like, life were fair, it'd be more acceptable in the late 90s for an employer and his male employee no. to, to be married and have a relationship together forever. <laughs> That's fine. The but announcer said life was fair. <laughs> the announcer alludes to Bret Hart making history tonight as he be- attempts to become only the second five-time WWF champion. Will, I got some trivia for you, buddy. Here we go. T- l- let's go. I want you to guess how many men are five-time WWF slash WWE champions right now. I will give you the conceit that this is not including World Heavyweight Championships well, not, not not the WCW title, not the 2002 to 2000 and whenever they, they put them together, yeah. and not the Seth Rollins one. So it, it might not be universal. quite so easy, but yeah. just keep in mind, just think about the guys who could conceivably be five-time WWF champions, and I want you to, to hit me with them. So you know, we know one of them, Brett. Who's the other one? Who's the first one? Hulk. Hulk Hogan. Yep. Who else? Uh, <clears throat> Steve, no. Steve, yes. Steve, yes. Okay. Rock, yes. Rock, yes. Hunter, yes. Hunter, yes. John Cena, yes. John Cena, yes. You're doing great. You got two more. Randy Orton, yes. Yes. Okay, one more. Edge, yes. No. Uh, he's like a four. He's like a four time and like a five. He's like he's got like he's a bunch so of other side. I know. So I know. Close. Um, this this guy's career had a couple of ha- a couple of pieces. There was one. There was one section, and then a big old break. And there was another section. Oh, Brock Lesnar. Yes, yeah, Brock the Man okay. Lesnar. That's, that's, a, that's a huge, huge uh, hint. Uh, and then, then uh, I guess maybe we'll talk about it at the end, but Undertaker doesn't have the title all that much in his career. It's kind Correct. of his thing is that he doesn't really need it. Oh, yeah, but uh, I was like, is this the last time he hold, holds the uh, the world title? Uh, no, because we nope. covered it for a time, I think, on the old podcast. A couple times. He, co- he has a couple times since then, uh, yes. briefly, however. But, yes, also, just for the record, if you add in the World Heavyweight Championships and not the WCW ones necessarily, you can add in people to the five-time club like Kurt Angle, Chris Jericho, Edge, Undertaker, a fellow named Roman Reigns, a fellow named Seth yep. Rollins. So these people who can – anyway – but this is just a very specific, <laughs> a very specific. We're talking about the time. 1960 to 19, whatever this year is, title that Bruno had for 57 years. That's right. That's what we're talking and, about. And so the video package that asks if life were, fair, life were fair, it ends by saying, but whoever said it would. And now Stridex presents SummerSlam heart and soul. Get your pimple cream, folks. I love it. Get, get your Stradex pads. I want you to know that for the first like half of doing this podcast, I remembered Stradex as a condom company. <laughs> just in my mind. I think we're using the Durex. Not, Is that yeah, you're going to use yeah, Durex, yeah. yeah. It's not. I mean, you're totally right. I was like, huh, condoms, really, 97. That's curious. That's an interesting product to deal with. It's like, no, it's not. It's not the same thing at all. Both things all teenagers should have. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's right. I've only. I wish they would have that as like a one of their multiple uh, commercial. You know, they get sponsors tonight: condoms and acne cream and Throw it in Skittles. the team pack at Shoppers, Every- man. Remember the team pack? Team pack had like a gate. They had like a Powerade in it. <laughs> yeah, deodorant and body wash is like here you go, yeah. you stinky teen. Use this. Good. Hey, this will at the time of recording, late August. That's like <laughs> prime season for one of those teen packs. If I go to Shoppers, I'll better find one. That'd be interesting. I, I I will take a photo of one and send it to you when I go to Shoppers again. Thank you. Just up the road, and there's a team back for boys and girls. They are. Yes, they had. I don't know if they always had the girls. They they, they have one now. 
I hope they have menstrual they, products in there. They just, they t- well, they should. They should. They, just, they just discovered women recently, actually. It's very fast. <laughs> we just invented women. Brand new. Never had women before. I don't know why I'm going to try. Because yeah, uh, my Biden's not strong enough. Um, let's see. He's not strong enough. In the polls? Oh. No. Get, get well, political. we'll see. Oh. Um, Pyro explodes. We're live in New Jersey. The commentators welcome us to the show. And JR suggests we'll see some gold change hands tonight, which is a bit. Hey, JR, you know. You're on the booking committee, man. Come on, don't tip your hand so much. What is this, the NFL? And you read the script? I mean, give me a break. <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. There's no NFL script, guys. I love the Chiron for this show because everybody, no matter who you are tonight, uh, you have there's a purple Chiron underneath your name, or underneath you, rather, has your name on it, and it has Undertaker's hands surrounding Bret Hart's logo. So literally everyone who comes out has Bret Hart's logo under their name, which is fun. It's part of the heart and soul branding for the show part of the the theme of it all which is great no the poster like i, I looking at the poster i want yeah, it poster. i, I it rules want it so very hard. badly it, it, it rules so hard this is um it's got the the entrance is your typical like kind of hexagon 97 98 a little portal there right very nice and then i think this has to be the last time they use this uh ring skirt and the banners from hanging from the rafters because it has like the old wwf logo that's not like tilted it's not like the yellow yes, and blue one it and is it's old. not obviously the scratch one because i remember SummerSlam 98 they have a brand new logo new ring skirt they're at msg it's a whole thing but this is like the last hurrah for for this and like you know, it, it's a thing where it's got like it's got black ring uh, posts, but like a blue skirt, which doesn't clash. You know, and even like the blue cage kind of clashes with with everything. So they're kind of in the middle of like it's kind of a pubescent phase for them, as as we've alluded to many times, where they're kind Absolutely. of coming out of the new generation and into the attitude era. Someone who sounds often like they're in a pubescent phase, mankind, here for a cage match against. I always call him Triple H. And that is a misnomer because they always call him Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I am calling him that because I know him uh, as the guy who terrorized Raw for a few years in the early 2000s. And then uh, now has made up for it by booking good shows. Um, Triple H with China against Mankind in a steel cage match. There's a big big barred blue steel cage. It is the same one presumably they had at things like, um, uh, what was that? Rage in a Cage? Right. Yep. Early '96, I believe it's the same one that we saw SummerSlam '94. I'm thinking about matches we've covered on the podcast already. Was Rage in a Cage that sh- uh, Brett and Diesel? Yes, February '96. Where yep. uh, and the, which I think uses the shots of the Undertaker when he stands on the cage and he beckons with the very cheesy, extremely house uh, banner behind him. It looks badass before the banner, though. He's standing it on does. top and pointing. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. It looks awesome. Later, and then it's like in your house. It's like, okay. So, uh, so Triple H and Mankind had a big battle at last month's Canadian Stampede. Mankind recently attacked Triple H uh, disguised as a cameraman. I like the disguise because it's a full body suit, except for his head, which he just wore the Mankind mask for. Yeah, the disguise oh, is terrible. It's like, how did people, how did he get past anybody wearing the Mankind mask? Like, I get it, but if you're trying to disguise yourself, you know, it's like in The Dark Knight, uh, Joker disguised himself as a police officer by putting regular people makeup on. And by regular people, I mean white. Um... Mankind, uh... I think he... Joker in the Dark Knight is, is not wearing makeup. Oh, wait. You, you're I, confusing... I, you know, you're, 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 I'm confusing Jack Nicholson from... Uh, you're you're fusing it together. Man, ...where he takes the... Yeah, he takes the, uh, the the face paint off and reveals that he's permanently white. Yes. Uh, but in a different kind of white. Uh, white? Um, mankind... Jack Nicholson did have double white privilege, though. It's true, as Joker. Because he could get away with crimes, and he got away with doing it because he was a white man. He just wanted to watch the world burn. Um, Again, wrong one. 
Roman. <laughs> <laughs> keep mixing these. Start quoting. Start quoting the one from uh, Arthur from the twenty. Now, uh, Biff, sock. Is that the right one? <laughs> Cesar Romero. Am I doing that one? Um, Nicholson's the one with the mustache he painted over, right? Cesar Romero has the mustache he painted over. Yeah. <laughs> um, mankind. Yeah. Disguised himself as a cameraman, but like. He comes in dressed in the over in the coveralls, and then he takes the camera, and he's not like filming anything. He just immediately hits Hunter with the uh, with the camera. Hunter always liked uh, getting hit with cameras for some reason. I think it was a he does like thing. that. Uh, I remember he smashed Vince's camera one time when he demanded a match against somebody. Might have been Undertaker or something. Right. Um, this is Pre seventeen maybe or something seventeen I think. Ooh, might have been yeah. It might have been two two thousand one. Yeah. Might have been, uh, yeah. Regardless. Uh, <laughs> A very like uh, loose uh, idea. It's like, hey, dressed up as a cameraman. It's like, guys, we're missing the fact that it's he's so recognizable with all that hair and mask and just the way he walks too. It would have been better if he had a normal employee. (laughs) He didn't have the mask. He just carried it with him, and then he put it on afterward. Be like, look, I am mankind. I prove it. (laughs) It is face paint to reveal a mask. Although now that I'm talking about it, I'm realizing like he's got kind of like you know mankind's got kind of like a leather face kind of mask thing, and then he has the over coveralls kind of like Jason. I mean he's going he's going all uh, horror movie villain on us. We didn't realize it. Can you imagine if Leatherface was involved in a wrestling match? <laughs> Wouldn't that be the craziest thing? He's got a chainsaw. Someone would die. Could you imagine? I, I I love it. I love the idea. I saw clips of that uh, when AEW did, it, and I was like, honestly, no notes. Go 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 hard Look, for it, man! I want both companies to be equally as stupid. Okay, if WWE yeah. can do the uh, you know zombie uh, Day of the Dead, whatever Zack Snyder's uh, film was, then yeah, AEW have their have your tie in. Go go nuts! Go for it, guys! Go for it. Uh, it's based on a video game, as I recall. It's not. It's not even. They're not in a film. They did a Leatherface, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, I think, a year or two ago. But it's actually they based do. for a video game. Feels like there's one that comes out like every other year where it's like <laughs> yeah. this one's like really extreme. It's like yeah. guys, just keep the first one. You had it. Right. I know you liked the idea of chainsaws going into people and they're going, ah! Yeah, yeah. They're, they're quick. There's only so much you can you can do with it. Uh, it's, a, it's an asymmetrical uh, multiplayer video game, Matt. So you either play as Leatherface or you play as one of the people trying to get away from it. There's a Friday fun. the 13th game that came out years ago uh, <clears throat> that I played a little bit of where you can be Jason and you just chasing. Uh, yes, I, I know about that. It was also Dead by Daylight. That's right, which has a, a it's like the Smash Brothers of uh, of horror movies. It has all right. the mascots in there. Yeah, yeah, that one's that one's very similar. Which I, I look it up, and it's, of course it says an asymmetrical multiplayer survival horror game developed right. by Canadian Studios. There we go, Canada. In Canada, we're still producing video games. We still make asymmetrical multiplayer video games with the horror elements. It's either stab or be stabbed. Tell him, Hitman. <laughs> That's right. admit. Uh, okay, so yes, we're, doing we're in the cage. Rushing this, like we said, we would. Uh, we're fine. We're not going to rush it. We're going to just. Make, not rushing gonna, anything. Well, nothing's been rushed. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, okay, I read uh, clips from the Observer about this show after the show. First off, there's so many times in my life where I thought Dave Meltzer is out of his damn mind. One of them is when he's like, "Oh, the crowd was mostly dead for this show," which is not true. The crowd is dead for parts that suck. They are so pro-mankind, it's crazy. They're so loud. This opener rules. And yeah. uh, I listened to a podcast recently that ranked, like, SummerSlam match. Like, it was, like, the SummerSlam match draft, right? And they draft a main event, uh, title matches, like, a show stealer and an opener. And yes. I don't think anyone shouted out this as an opener. Obviously, like, Kurt Angle, Rey Mysterio went uh, first yep. overall in a walk. But, like... This is one of the best like pay-per-view openers you can ask for, especially even with SummerSlam. I think it's fantastic. 
I, yeah, I think it's, it rules. it's a really good cage match with uh, with really good uh, spots and like a really heroic uh, victory for for uh, our boy Mickey. It's a lot of fun, and it's also Triple H is doing a great job here. We'll talk about all the things that I really appreciate yeah. that he does here. It's interesting. This is something. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's no ref in the cage, so it's only escape tonight. There's a ref outside the ring, and it's funny how often there are matches in WWE where it's like, there's going to be a cage match. We're like, great. And you're not always sure what that means until you get to that night and you, the guy, the announcers just say things. Because often there's pinning. There's more ways to win a cage match than there is to win a regular match. Is, Here's uh, a question. Keith said that. Interesting. Interesting. I guess if you count, escaping uh, the cage is one. Yeah, escape, escape DQ the top, and escape count the out. No contest. Come on. Uh, time limit draw. Um, uh, using a giant uh, mallet in the Hell in a Cell. R.I.P. R.I.P. Rip to Bray, man. Um, but yes. So anyway, I just find that funny. I find that I'm using. Uh, and uh, yeah. so escape only. Oh, so uh, yes, Triple H immediately rushes for the door, which I appreciate his strategy. Just right off the top. That's, that's everybody should be doing this in every cage match. Your heel should always run for the door. It's the only match you can win like really quickly. Maybe except for a ladder match, or or uh, a tables match. Tables match you can win very quickly. It's true. Yeah. I loved getting a tables match as a, a an, an objective in uh, in like a WWE <laughs> 2K game. Yeah, because it's great. You, you just reverse the move near the table and it goes through it, and you're like winner. I'm like oh, I beat Vader <laughs> in 37 seconds as Johnny Gargano. I feel amazing. What a good job I did. That was great. That was also a strategy for a Royal Rumble. I would just do that. We just stand by the ropes and counter things. If you get your yep. own counters, you just, you just go, Bleh! people just flip out over you. It's great. Be the counter god, yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, so it's all about mankind to start. And mankind grabs Triple H's belt and he spikes him with a pile driver. Lots of pile drivers tonight. For better and for, for worse. way worse. For way worse. Uh, mankind thinks about leaving the cage via the door, but trying to walks up and just closes it. The referee just kind of lets her do it. Yes, Jimmy Corderas is our, our our Greek friend from uh, Toronto, uh, and uh, there's a couple spots in the in the night where I went ooh, and that was one of them. Because you sound like somebody door. getting socked in No Mercy. Because it's steel door, and also I do not trust China to do anything safely or, quite frankly, all that well at this stage, like or correctly at this point for this match as well. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, yeah, I think so. You so China should at least intimidate the referee or push him aside, but instead she just closes the door. The referee's just kind of like, "Well, you've done it. I, I can't stop." Throws a, I think she throws him after. Yeah, afterwards that makes sense. Uh, Triple H <clears throat> gets mandible clawed by mankind to a big reaction, but mankind China grabs mankind through the cage uh, by his hair and his neck, and uh, JR says the referee can't really do anything about it. But I, I mean, the referee could still be like, "Can you leave?" He said, get out of here. Now, China could go, no. It's like the referee can be like, mankind wins because his Triple H's <laughs> girlfriend wouldn't leave. I've just been informed. <laughs> Sorry, I don't think... It, are they dating in kayfabe? I, I, maybe I should get that more stuff. She's his bodyguard in kayfabe. They don't even say, actually. I think she's, uh, she's I mean, just I around. mean, bodyguard in kayfabe. We just assume bodyguard because he's had bodyguards before. You know, he's a bodyguard before. He had Mr. Hughes for... He's had ladies before too, though. She's kind of like a, weeks. Yeah, it's Sable. Yeah, so I think maybe maybe he's kind of like, look, I get I get a two and one, and I feel amazing here. This is like <laughs> I, this is like when when I used to have a cell phone and an iPod Touch, then I get the iPhone, and I'm like, this is all I want. China's his iPhone. It's amazing. That's a very specific where's personal the, example. Yeah, where's the Steve Jobs uh, uh, keynote speech with about China tonight? We're in. This is for, Will. First off, thank you for teaming me up for the like the most on on brand thing I could possibly do. You're tonight welcome. we're unveiling. A special new bodyguard for Triple H. 
and a new girlfriend. <laughs> Especially a new girlfriend and a bodyguard. Are you getting it? It's the same person. It's China. Anyway, such a China, specific but joke. Made in America, like a lot of products. <laughs> we she was developed at Foxconn in uh, in China. She was <laughs> by workers who were. Again, these jokes are for no one but me. I feel like I'm the only person who can appreciate China Foxconn jokes about where they actually manufacture iPhones in uh, in in China. Oh. Uh, to think China didn't live to get to see Foxconn in China—that's too bad. That's I'm sure it was Rip, her lifelong uh, uh, ambition. Mankind hits Triple H and goes to climb out of the cage, but China just pops up and punches Mankind in the crotch. Just boop, right in the right in the beanbag. Um, yeah, unless you Triple punched H- him in his ample ass, but yeah, definitely punch him in the in the you know yeah. ridiculous region. Uh, Triple H ridiculous region. <laughs> Triple H meets mankind up there. He stands a rung or two above the top rope, and he hits an extra large superplex. That's an extra large superplex with cheese, as opposed to a medium superplex. Which is the, that's actually how we should do it. Medium superplex is when your feet are on the second rope. A large superplex is when you're on the top rope, and extra large is when you're right near the top of the cage. A small is on sm- the bottom rope. He hit him with a small superplex. Hey. Ahmed Johnson did a move from the bottom rope not that long ago on the podcast, and uh, I'm not going to eliminate that as a possibility. I would love the – it would be hard to do a superplex from this middle of the bottom rope, but I want someone to try. <clears throat> slightly elevated. <laughs> Very slightly elevated. So Triple H gets to the door and thinks about walking out, but he thinks better of it and throws Mankind into the cage a bunch, which is dumb, but I guess he's mad. He's evil. He couldn't you, couldn't you walk out and then just go back in the cage and beat Mankind up? This is me being um, like, you know, it's the best of both worlds in there, Triple H. Yes, of course. But, of course, it's wrestling, so he's got he's to gotta suffer his hubris at some point. Yeah. And famously, this cage uh, sucks to get run into because it's just steel. It's not mesh where mesh has give. These are just steel bars. There's not really anything gimmicked about it. It just is a big steel cage. Yeah, and Mankind gets ran into it about 400 times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty rough. I would, I would say I would rather climb this cage than the mesh one. The mesh one I could do, but I would struggle. But this one, it'd be easy. it's easy to climb out. It's like it's like ladders all the way around. It's fantastic. It's like a jungle gym, you know? Yeah. Like a playground. That's right. <laughs> Mankind gets a suplex on Triple H that somehow gets him stuck upside down against the cage in a way that doesn't make sense to me, but it does allow Mankind to run and hit him with a body block to a big reaction. And the crowd continues yeah. to be hot for Mankind. It was cool. I thought it was cool. It's like, I'm going to hang you up like this. Yeah. Yeah, sure, this works. Um, Triple H pays Mankind back, setting him into the cage upside down with a back body drop, which leads to Mankind slumping between the cage and the ropes. He's all folded up, and it just looks painful as hell. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, Triple H ends up getting crotched on the top rope, and when he drops down, his leg gets stuck. So Mankind crawls toward the door, but China runs over and slams the door into Mankind's head in one of those spots that hurts so much to watch, especially because you know, or rather, famously... Uh, that really hurt Mick Foley. <laughs> oh, <laughs> actually, so this bad. is what I meant. Sorry, this is what I meant earlier. Because earlier she just closed the door on She him, just closes right? the door when the referee yeah, just okay. lets him. This is the one okay. where she runs by. This is what I'm talking about. So my yes. apologies. This is what I meant. Yeah. Uh, because it hits him in the face. I don't trust China to do it in a safe way. Uh, yes. There's actually no way to do it safely. He doesn't have a hand or a, uh, anything up. And uh, yes, I went, oof quite badly uh and i even knew i even i think i was as i was watching this match i was like isn't there a cage match at some point where somebody gets their head slammed in the door <laughs> and there's a oh it's this one yeah <laughs> okay yeah and it just it just sucks it, it, i just i just go back to all the times that i really cranked my head off of doors or getting into cars like, i just had, had the feeling yes and like it doesn't swing into you you swung your head into it but there's no way you were like 
swinging your head into it so hard yeah. that, you know, it has, it has um, I don't know, momentum, I'm trying to use physics. It hurts. It's got to hurt really, and he got hurt really bad on this. I'm not surprised. Yes, it was. I I remember reading the book. He talks about how much how much it hurt. Uh, China gets rid of the referee there. He knocks. This is where she knocks his head yeah, into the steps. Like knocks we said, him down right. against the steps. Okay, yeah. Okay. China tosses a chair to Triple H in the ring. I think she, he pretty. It goes right to him, which I was impressed by. It's like that a pretty good like one of the best things she's done so far. Yeah. Pitch and catch. I mean, I just want to see you know if, if the Jets or the Giants want to maybe consider having her try out or something like that. She's she's hitting her receivers. That's right. In stride, uh, dropping dimes. Uh, right, he, Triple H sets up a pedigree on the chair with China watching from the side of the cage. Okay, she's standing on the cage like an idiot. Like, <laughs> like what do you expect is going to happen? You can see just as well from the ground. But for some reason, she's standing on the cage right there, just all ready for something, perhaps? Right. The equivalent of the guys who, who huddle outside the ring with their buddies as somebody tries to set up a, uh, a oh, dive. You mean, Hart's, you mean Bret Hart's favorite spot in wrestling? Of course, right? I love it, of course. That's what you mean? Yeah. Someday Goldberg's going to do a suicide dive like that. <laughs> you remember? Hope it's actual suicide Goldberg. <laughs> Hope he lands on his face. Can't wrestle anymore. Can't watch his son Gage play at uh, Alabama, play? right? <laughs> he's a walk-on, I think. Is what it was. I don't know if he's now. It's time recording. or time <sighs> release here. Um, so, yes, of course, of course, try to uh, – well, Mankind hits a slingshot on Triple H, which does not take – it's not happened instantly, but China just lets it all happen, and Triple H flies into the cage, into China, which the crowd just loves. Yeah. And Mankind hits a double arm DDT on the chair on Triple H, and Mankind goes to climb out of the cage, and China tries to drag Triple H out, but it doesn't work, or rather, she just kind of realizes she's a bit early, so she leaves. Triple H says, not now. He's got to be him? saying, no, no. I did hear Man- uh, Mick at one point say, watch the boot, and he kicked uh, Triple H in the head. Um yeah. No, but that's definitely what's happening. She's coming in to like save him. He's like, "No, get out, get out." Which is also like, could you, what, can you get out and can it, can you make, go out in a way that makes sense? Yeah, <laughs> because you have to come back and whatever. And so she like, tries to drag him, and she's like, "Nah, fooey." <laughs> yeah, um, he's too heavy. Mankind gets he. Mankind goes to climb out. China has left. He gets all the way to the bottom of the cage on the outside. Then he decides he's gonna toss off, toss off his mask. He climbs the top of the cage again and rips his shirt open. Which is supposed to reveal a heart to kind of show that he has become dude love. But the heart famously uh, sweated it off, and so there's no heart there. I think Triple oh, H. Oh, it was painted on? <clears throat> yeah, it was, one of those, it was painted on his chest, and oh, I think Ma- and Vince McMahon mentions it. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I didn't yeah. see anything at all. As he's climbing out, people are chanting Superfly, and he's about to go to the floor. And yes. then he comes back up, and JR's like, they're chanting Superfly. Right. Because uh, I think somebody in the crowd was like, Who's one wrestler who didn't get arrested for murder but should have? And the crowd just did that. It's probably it's Vlad. Cool. He was standing next to a Dude Love uh, guy, just as Dude Love. You can see dude Vlad love very clearly. Yeah, Dude Love cosplay. So, so Mankind slash Dude Love drops an awkward elbow from the top of the cage onto Triple H. And this is when we have Mankind going to leave again. China comes back in for real this time. And it's a race between Mankind going over the cage and China dragging Triple H out. Mankind drops first and wins. And right after the match, Vince McMahon's like, oh, there's a heart there, of course, on, on Mankind's chest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's, and then he, like, he says, it's almost as if Mankind became dude love. And it's like, yes, okay, you you don't want to do any subtlety at all. I know you're a wrestling promoter, so subtlety is not like your strong suit, but it's just funny to be like so aggressively be like, that's what this is. 
Uh, and Dude Loves Music starts, and Mankind's on the floor, like, dead, like, not moving Well, at it all. plays, like, two seconds of, like, the, 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 the somber piano music that he has when he wins a match, yeah. and then it stops, and then... There you go. And then through magic or a guy in a truck, he plays the dude love uh, song. Yes. I guess it is. It really is treated like it's like some sort of mystical experience, even though it's like, well, I mean, we we know people control the music. Yeah. So Mankind, yeah, he lays there for a second and he's totally out of it. And then this is so cheesy, but I really liked it. His foot starts twitching. So it's like like tapping and he gets up and he's like, ah, he's dude love now. He's great. Yeah, it worked for fine. me. It's silly. No, it's I okay. loved it. He, the fans he, love the, it. He got saved by the like his dudeness, the dude loveness of it all. It was great. The dudeness is all there. Uh, and yeah, I mean Triple H. I think one of the things I love about him in this match is that he's just he's just bumping all over the place. He's giving mankind an opportunity to to have a star making performance, which is what this is. Yeah, star making performance. Yeah, um, it uh, it's it's a really good uh, a really good match despite China's kind of. Uh, botches but that doesn't take away from anything it's just yeah, really it's good fine. it's a really good like opener to the night yeah absolutely it's a uh, top notch and now it is time to invite a politician well now it's time to take the, the cage down so they got to do something yeah we gotta do but we gotta do a bunch of business here and todd bentengill is here to introduce the governor of new jersey christine todd whitman who we find out eliminated attacks that kept wrestling events like this out of new jersey she'll she get booed she com- she's booed. It's true. Yeah. Um, I mean, kind of classic politician thing to be done. She gets the she gets the Batman. She gets Batman. Uh, she's with Gorilla Monsoon, the Headbangers, who I was confused by, but we find out they're from New Jersey. And we Makes see some sense. newspaper clippings of her talk- speaking with the Undertaker because they just send the Undertaker to go like, go be a wrestler near her, near her, please. And he's well, he's like, WWF sure. champion, of course. He's sure. Got the title. I mean, yeah. I, I, yeah, that's true. That is true. Uh, and so uh, she gets a, a Chiron on the screen that reads Christine Tax Crusher Whitman, which is so it, it's so like um, it's so self-indulgent. Nobody cares. No, uh, this this should have been the like failed failure to call people for their um, uh, a million dollar opportunity spot. That's what this should have been, because they right. got to take the cage down. So they got to do something. So that's what this was for. Um Vince uh, surmises that she could be president one day. And uh, Matt, I'm not so up on uh, Christine Todd Whitman's uh, political uh, standing right now. Is, is is she still in politics? She's still... From this spot, she's a Republican uh, governor for New Jersey. She was actually appointed to be uh, the head of the EPA by uh, George W. Bush in 2001. So she was uh, she ran the Environmental Protection Agency on behalf of uh, George W. in his uh, time in office. I think it was, it was for a term or two or what, but she was uh, she was running that. She's not around now. I think she's. Uh, I think she's kind of closer to a, a centrist. I don't think she's overly um, eager to be a um, yeah to be kind of more partisan that way, which I think is maybe smart on her part in so many ways. So that's what she's doing. Don't call it. Yeah, okay. They don't call it the tax crusher for nothing. That's right. Um, we see Tiger Jeet Singh and Tiger Ali Singh in the crowd. We're told that Tiger Ali Singh will be wrestling in front of us soon. Although we saw him earlier in the year. We've seen him do this before. They He's already... in the Skydome show, right, or in Toronto yeah. or something. We saw yeah. him wrestle. Like he he showed up. In the, he showed up around arenas. And they're like, "He's gonna wrestle soon." And then he did, and it was like, "I was fine." And now they're like, Perfect. "Oh, he's gonna wrestle soon." Perfectly like, adequate. We saw him wrestle. It's fine, guys. Like, it's, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, he's a guy who wrestles. It's okay. There's lots of them. <laughs> well, we yeah. see some footage of a, an event we wish we were at. It was a fake beach party in the parking lot of the arena earlier today. I assume they just shipped in a bunch of sand. Um, JR claims there were fifteen to twenty thousand fans there. I would argue 
Oh, what? No, I think three thousand like maybe. WCW Bash of the Beach '94 when they guessed there was a hundred thousand people on the beach, <laughs> and uh, there definitely was. Um, they were including fish. To, to be fair to them, they, the band, they were cutting cause, souls. Cause, well, because fish was uh, playing a concert nearby. All the fish heads were there. So the, obviously the fish and the WWF crossover is strong. You're not a fish head, Matt. Uh, so they, uh, they're they all there. Um, and uh, when I went to SummerSlam 2004, they had something called, uh, and it took them forever to think of the title. It was called SummerSlam Day. And uh, SummerSlam Day <laughs> was at the Canadian National sure. Exhibition in Toronto. And, uh, you know, like they would play like, I don't know, basketball or whatever. And I watched a Fosse concert there. There's mm. autograph signings. Pretty fun. A pretty fun thing to kind of add on. But I'm guessing that's what this was. They have an RV with the the old WWF ring skirt on there. Like, you remember the old Raw ring skirt with, like, the like two red logos and one white logo, I think? Yeah. It's, that's what they have to make it, like, a banner. They're just like, here's the old ring skirt. They tape it on an RV. You can see it in the background. There we go. Pretty I love low budget. It. I like it. Um, it's <laughs> great. Uh, also, uh, Dave Meltzer for some reason uh, claimed that that was the reason he thought the crowd was dead because they were blown up, blown sky high earlier in the day. They're outside all day in the sand. So you weird. know how tired you are from a day at the beach, man. I'm exhausted. Well, it's, it's awful, of course. So hard. Uh, so the cage is down. We can now have a proper match. It's time for Goldust with Marlena going up against Brian Pillman. The loser will wear a dress tomorrow. <laughs> On Raw, specifically, not just like on some Monday there. Uh, and so we have a mannequin at ringside in the dress, so we see what's going on with it, what's what's happening there. The, this match, most noteworthy thing for me, besides the finish, is uh, Goldust kisses Pillman early on, and so Pillman just has a bunch of Goldust makeup on his face, and so he just looks absurd the whole time. He looks like Charlie Kelly from It's Always Sunny when he's like huffing paint. <laughs> he's got the silver all around his mouth. <laughs> it's a lot of silver. Yeah, this match is uh, exists. It exists. Goldust gets a flip-flop and fly like his dad, but Pillman sends Goldust to the floor. And then the ending gets so botched because... Ooh, it's bad. Gold, it's really Gold, bad. Goldust goes for a sunset flip, but Goldust can't really get Pillman over. Uh, and they're super far from the ropes. Oh, sorry. Does Pillman go for the sunset flip? Pillman goes for the Goldust flip. does it. Goldust tries Gold, to sling over him, but yes. he doesn't He's too far away. Yeah. He doesn't go over. Uh, they're super far from the ropes, which is a problem because Pillman's supposed to go, he's supposed to be in the ropes. So yeah. Pillman, with his legs wrapped around Goldust's head, crawls towards the ropes, puts his head by them, which allows Marlena to hit him with a purse, setting him backward where he should be kind of cleanly pinned in a uh, sunset flip formation, but not. And it was just so messy all the way around. Um, messy. I did notice Marlena yeah. had a purse. I'm like, does she always have a purse? And you know what that was, Matt? It was Chekhov's purse that she had, of course. Chekhov's purse. Chekhov's gold purse. Uh, so that is... Maybe not the worst finish or worst roll-up of the night. Ooh, it, it, it's not, unfortunately. Unfortunately, it's not. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, it's not the worst roll-up of the night, but it's uh, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. Uh, Marlena tosses the mannequin wearing the dress into the ring, which Brian Pillman destroys. Which he did on Raw. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we we're, we're told that the WWF attendance record for this building has been set of 20,213 people, which is a lot, but it's not that impressive when you just told me you've never run shows there before. Well, when, uh, no, they've done Folks, we have it. one fan no, here. We I have don't. set a WWF attendance record for the okay. building. Yeah, I get, I get what you mean. I also love that they're just like Christine Whitman signed a thing that says the WWF doesn't pay a special tax to run shows here. And they're just like, you guys could have run it before. You just were cheap. You didn't want to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
It wasn't like the tax was like why they eight billion dollars. Like, it's why they there's a tax in New York City as well. Right. That makes sense. There's they, they do all these things all the time. There's event taxes. You pay for things. That makes sense. It's fine. Yeah, they got yeah they got to pay it. They got to pay like a premium. You know, New yeah. York City has a city tax, a state. Uh, uh, wait, a city tax? Yeah, you pay a city tax, a city tax, a state tax, and a federal tax in New York. It's a lot of taxes. I think that was true in San Francisco as well, because I think the uh, yeah. you you pay to work because San Francisco has a different minimum wage than uh, the rest of California. Yeah, well, makes sense. It pays more. Yeah, um, includes no, like it's different than San Luis Obispo. Absolutely different from uh, uh, Mariposa County. That's right. Very different. Uh, time for the Godwins versus the Legion of Doom. And, sure. Uh, this is after that announcement. We we now know there are over twenty thousand people who are not excited to see the Godwins. Yeah, it's although Phineas Phineas has a Confederate flag, and so I'm like, let's go LOD. They both carry they both carry the Confederate flag. Jr. says this match is the it's like the country versus the city. Because <laughs> the Godwins from the country and LODs from uh, they're from Chicago. It's like thank you. It's true for explaining uh, that. We see the Legion of Doom screaming backstage about being slopped and beaten up. They're like, oh, it's time to beat these guys. And it's like, well, in fairness to the Godwins, you broke Henry's neck. So you guys are like, ah, oh, they've been mean to us and they did a bunch of bad stuff. And they're just kind of like, yeah, he broke Henry Godwin's neck, guys. Like, Yeah, and they show that replay as well. Uh, I feel like these guys have been feuding for quite a long time. Um, interestingly, Vince, <laughs> early on in this match, Vince invokes Hillbilly Jim, who he says is the official manager of the Godwins. But says they don't get along anymore. I don't think he's. I don't know when he was last around, but it has been ages. They've not breathed a word about him in weeks, and yeah. like they can't do like one single like. Why, why don't they be? I'm sure Jim could take a bump. Why don't they turn? Like when do they officially turn heel? I was trying to remember that. I was like, when do they turn evil? After they got their neck broken or before? I don't. I don't know when the the Godwins turned evil. I don't know if like, they're evil. They had. They were definitely been on other end. I mean, they're of heels. Conflicts. They're heels. They're heels. Yes. They're heels for sure. Because uh, they changed their their music and they mm-hmm. got rid of Hillbilly Jim, which would make him baby faces. So why don't they like at one point have Hillbilly Jim and they'd be like, "GM, you're fired," and they beat up Hillbilly Jim or something, or slop Hillbilly Jim. It's like they they slop Hillbilly Jim. He slop Hillbilly Jim. I'm not convinced they could have just beaten him up. <laughs> I feel I feel like that would have been maybe tough. Well, they could slop him, which is you know they could slop him. Okay, I hear you. That's saying. what I'm okay. saying. I don't know how old uh, old Jimmy Boy was or if he could take a bump or like backstage or if he's just like. Guys, what are you doing? Are you guys, this isn't the hillbilly way. I do love the idea that people would, like, would care about elegy. <laughs> Speaking of Republican uh, <laughs> elected officials, there we go. Like he's a Christine Women there. Uh, Captain Lou Albano is in the front row. I found this was curious because it's been months since we've seen him. They used to just have him around and be like, oh, he's scouting for someone. Uh, he's looking for new wrestlers. What is this about? Are they paying to have him around? They is he have just like. to pay him because he's ringside and he's there like the whole time. He's there the whole show. But what is happening here? The camera and does his like Lua Bano thing, like, like yeah. What's happening here? (laughs) What's he? What's he captain of? By the way, I asked this question recently. Uh, Ship is something naval or what? Yes, he's a captain of a ship. Okay, captain of a ship. I would like to. I would like to be on the ship, ship Albano. Uh, Hawkins hits a neckbreaker on Henry, which would be a believable finish here, but it gets broken up. And then the LOD line up Henry for a doomsday device. Phineas saves Henry. He gets clotheslined for Hawk, by Hawk for his trouble. Then the Legion of Doom hit Henry with a spike pile driver for the one, two, three. Pretty callous. The LOD get the win. Yeah. Um, it's too long for a Godwin's match, but the fans were into the LOD, and it was kind of a good finish. So I don't know. I'm, I, 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 could be, I could be more upset about that. 
I think I think Godwin's versus almost anybody else would be death, but because yep. it's LOD, people just want to see him whip ass. Basically, yep. <laughs> that's all they want to see. To see these two jacked up bouncers from Minnesota just beat people up, beat up some big boys, right? Like some some real beefy fellas. Oh, they're beefy. They're big beefy boys. Big beefy boys. Uh, we see well, some. They were little buff boys when they were kids. Anyway, <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> Even a comedy premise in your hand right there, Will. We see footage of potential contest winners for the million dollar giveaway, which is a, a young kid and a, a bald guy who is also young. Like a cre- <laughs> This bald guy is probably, yeah, he's probably 23 years old. Yeah, he's like a young man, I'm sure. He's like, oh, you're a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan? He's like, uh, yes, I am, sir, but I do not have that look for this particular occasion. Like, hey, man. And then Todd just goes, great. Uh <laughs> They really put. They really give Todd. Uh, they're, they're really just like get in there and. Oh, Todd! Uh, like Todd is probably like, yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm out of here after after this. I mean, I mean, honestly, God bless him. Thank you for Todd trying. Todd has man. a list of 100 phone numbers on one slip of paper that he has to look at and <laughs> dial. I guarantee you, he dialed those first two numbers wrong. You think so? Because <laughs> Sable and he's just like Sable and Sunny are holding the paper like stop shaking it. He's like kind of joking. He's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm serious. Stop doing that. <laughs> I really have to see these numbers. It's stressful. <laughs> so we go to a giveaway. Uh, <laughs> top hat. He's got Sable and Sunny there. The, the two guys are here to pick keys. Think of. <laughs> pick keys to open a casket full of money. Um, my favorite, the favorite moment is the the ball guy picks thirteen and immediately Lawler calls him an idiot <laughs> because it's an unlucky number. Uh, and I'm like, okay, but hold on. Like, so the casket is locked. That, is that which a, was never said at all before. Why would caskets? Be, why would a casket be? You don't need to lock a casket. Caskets are for dead people. Yeah, but what if there's grave robbers? Okay, you've you've blown up my point. Very good job. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they grave want to call robbers, it <laughs> grave robbers when they get to the uh, cemetery. It's a giant board with the WWF logo, and there's a hundred keys. Undead like, Todd Bell, Pettengill's there. <laughs> you so, can rob this grave if you pick the right number. His name's his name's Rob Pettengill. It's all, it's all, it's all, it's all, Todd Dedengill. <laughs> it's all, uh, it's all, uh, um, what's his name? Crypt, Crypt Keeper uh, puns. That's all it is. That's right. Yeah. Boils and ghouls. Instead of uh, Sable, it's, uh, will help me out here. Uh, sta- stable. Stable. Unstable. Un- un- stable. <laughs> it's unstable. And Sunny, of course, uh, is. Uh, cloudy, but Cloudy already existed. We already had Cloudy. We already had like, Cloudy. Cloudy was the. We already was the had Cloudy. Why yeah, didn't we? So we have two people there. They pick keys. They also want to call two more people to give them a chance to win. They call somebody. No answer. Second call is disconnected. The favorite, my favorite, the third guy oh, is, uh, they get a hold of a guy. He's not watching. They, they ask <laughs> him he's watching. He's like, no. But then he clarifies his cable company doesn't carry SummerSlam. And so Todd Pat goes like, ah, shame for them. He's like, you should give your 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 cable company a kick of the behind. Yeah. So and then he says, like uh and then he hangs up, and Lawler says, "Like, oh, he didn't even tell him that he's uh, he won five thousand dollars." <laughs> Which is like, I hope that guy just got a check in the mail for five grand and was like, "What the hell is this savings bond?" This is no amazing. way. The WWF lawyers are like, "Well, he was never explicitly told at the time." <laughs> we do not owe this gentleman five thousand dollars savings. He was never told. <laughs> um, exactly. Uh, so the the fourth call connects. The lady doesn't win. Neither the ink person keys work. <laughs> And they go through the trouble of being like they have like a, a guy there to be like just to prove that we actually ran a proper contest here. Uh, here is show us which one would actually have worked, and uh, the guy picks number three. This is a one in one hundred chance to win. One in one hundred chance. It's so hard. It's so hard. So yes, he. Uh, so yes, the real winner here, Vince McMahon. 
The real winner here is all the WWF fans who had to sit through that. This eternal part. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, of course. Well, that should have been when they were trying to put the cage down. That would have made way more sense than whatever they ended up doing. At least Sable and Sunny were there, you know. And uh, boy, they added a lot. They were there. They did. of course they did. I was I'm so grateful to have their presence there. It was good. Sunny just making all her jokes. Um, yeah, it's time for uh, the British Bulldog going up against Ken Sharma for the European Championship. And if the Bulldog loses, he eats a can of dog food. It's unclear to me if Ken Shamrock loses if he's supposed to also eat the dog food. I feel like he's you not. So I, guess, so I guess we will see one of these stipulations, but none of these stipulations come true. Not a single one of them, except for the dress one, I guess. The rerun doesn't get kissed. The dress does get worn. The dog food doesn't happen. And we do see we do see Bret Hart wrestle in Canada again. In the U.S. again. In the U.S. again. Sorry, of course. And in Canada. Over briefly. We've seen Anders and Caicos. That's right, and he just he, he yes he does. Um, we see footage of last week on Raw when Bulldog attacks Shamrock at their arm wrestling contest and smushed a bunch of dog food on him. And uh, we see the dog food. It looks like stewed beef, I guess. I don't think we're gonna gimmick the dog food or what, but it just looks like it looks like human food to me. I think they can use. I mean, dog food is not like poisonous. It's just not very well processed food. Not well processed. They're just like, well, we don't need to go through the trouble. That's right. It's just dog. Who cares? That's fair. So. Uh, we're told there's going to be an upcoming pay-per-view in the United Kingdom called One Night Only, and the Bulldog is going to be there to take on Shawn Michaels there. And guess what? Good news. We're covering it on the podcast. So I'm looking so, forward to sharing that. This match, scheduled for one fall, is for the European Championship. Yes. So are we led to believe that Bulldog won't have the European title in England to face Shawn Michaels? Are we led could, to believe that? It could happen. It could absolutely happen. It's so weird that they announced this show at this point. Do it the next night. I guess, like, or just yeah, really, say we're I really don't know why you would bother, why, or even just announce a show, but like, why announce that there's a Bulldog Shawn Michaels match? Yeah, why? Why specifically try to get people excited about that one thing? Doesn't make much sense. Hard to argue with you, Will. Yeah, it's, you. So, it's 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 so odd to me. Uh, so the fans, so uh, sorry, Ken Shamrock comes out, and the fans love him because he's just he just seems like an actual badass, and legit, people can, he's legit, yeah, people can always tell, and at this time they're they're thirsty for it, they want it. Uh, so they're excited to see him. Uh, and uh, so Shamrock gets an early leg lock on Bulldog, but he's close enough to the rope, so he's okay. Uh, on the floor, uh, Bulldog hits Shamrock in the groin, then sets up for a suplex, but then Shamrock just falls forward. Odd spot, yeah. It looks like Odd he's going to suplex him and like get his ankles on the steps, I guess, but he just falls He just falls forward. He uses his like, takedown defense, but at the wrong time. It's like, no, no, no you got to go backwards. Right. Uh, so, uh, Bulldog grabs a handful of dog food at the announce table. He throws some of it into Shamrock's face. And this causes Shamrock to, let me see my notes here, to snap. Mm. And, uh, he grabs, he, he, Shamrock grabs the dog food. He hits Bulldog with it, leading to a DQ. And then he pushes the ref down in the ring a couple times. And then he chokes Bulldog out as officials run down and try to save him. And it takes, like, minutes of time before the officials are able to do anything at all. And even then, it seems like they just let him... Uh, One ref can't do it. do it. Five refs can't do it. Uh, all the Stooges come out. Uh, you got your Pattersons, your Briscoes, your Etcetras. Nobody can do anything. They're also, are they trying to pull them off? Do you remember they when? They're not um, trying to pull them off, Will. You're, it's a great question, but they are absolutely not trying to get their hands in there. Like, they they should be pulling at them. They should actually be, you know, well, give them a call. Well, Steiner had uh, Triple H in the uh, Steiner recliner, and uh, like they had like five refs on each arm, and they could not separate Scott Steiner because he's just too uh, too strong. That's even better. Big pump just, make, pump. just make it just make it absolutely absurd. 
it, well, it was patently absurd. Uh, so it. these guys all come down, and the ref, like, at first the ref can't help it. So he's like, give me some help. I need help down here. And so everyone comes down to be like, Dan, no, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, what are you doing? It's like purely, you know, like the most puttiest refs you can think of. Where it's just <laughs> very very powerful refs, yes. Utterly useless, just men standing around. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so, yeah, he gets off of Bulldog after a few long minutes. The Bulldog's out. And then he just turns around. I think Pat Patterson's the first guy he grabs, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Turns around. He just slings him to the ground with a belly to belly slam. He throw, I think he throws Briscoe to the ground. He throws Brisco, a couple refs to the ground. Jack Dome, Mike Kyoto. Yep. There's like four guys uh, who, go, who go to the ground. And uh, the crowd is going crazy for it. They love it. And I'm thinking, <laughs> as I'm watching this, like, first off, I'm glad that Ken Shermock has finally hit on a gimmick that is not just like, hi, I'm Ken Shermock. I'm happy to be here. No, this is this is what I remember from Ken Shermock is he would go crazy. And it, it's such a great, right. it's a great gimmick for him. Perfect. It's perfect. And, and the crowd's going crazy. And no one is really saying just yet, initially at least, <laughs> that maybe Ken Shermock would get in trouble for doing this because Bret Hart got in so much trouble for assaulting Vince McMahon on Raw a couple of weeks ago in Halifax. Yeah. Uh, and now it's like, dude, shouldn't Shermock be fired? And thankfully, a little bit later on, they talk about it. They're like, ah, he's probably in trouble for that. There's going to be a commissioner uh, who is going to be announced on Raw the next night. And they're like, you know what? Maybe oh. the commissioner should have. Maybe, maybe the he should get in there. Maybe the commissioner will get Ken Shermock's attention. It's, <laughs> I think he might. At least he's going to try. Him, call him maggot. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Uh, anyway, it is it is nice to see him get so well with the crowd because they love it. It's, it's almost like uh, Ken's uh, coming out party, man. Like, it's great. Big time. Absolutely. Todd Pettengill is in the back with Shawn Michaels, and he asks Shawn Michaels, hey, are you willing to risk your career to get even with Bret Hart in this match that you're refereeing? And Shawn says, there's no issue. It was all settled at WrestleMania 12 when Shawn beat him. Uh, I think everything is totally fine. Nothing will get past me. He does a little joke where he says, nothing will get past me. And he goes to put his arm on Todd Pettengill's shoulder, but he falls because he misjudged where it was. (laughs) (laughs) A little slapstick of humor. And my favorite thing is that Shawn says, like, nothing's going to happen at all. There's no risk of it. And immediately we go to the announce table, and I'm going to quote Vince McMahon directly because Vince says a very Vince thing. He says, uh, I, for one, doubt that very seriously. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you, Vince. Thank you for talking about oh, what you do. Vince. I love it. It's, it's insane. It's the best. Oh, man. Uh, yes. Next. I don't doubt that very seriously. And then he's like, folks, we have a 10-man tag match. And then immediately the image shows an eight-man tag match. No, I thought the each faction got one extra guy. I wish they did. Instead, we have to deal with a, a faction warfare here. We got Los Periquas going against the DOA. It is an eight-man tag. It's it's Los Periquas with Flash Funk versus DOA with Salvatore Sincere. If only. If only. They could have done it, man. That's like what's most infuriating about that, Will, is that, of course, they could have done that. Would have been so good, too. Man, you're now, you're, now I'm disappointed. Um the video package before points out both these guys came out of the Nation of Domination. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, then why is the Nation in this match? What are we doing? Because it's not like they broke well, up because they were fighting each other. They were just kind of mad about the Nation of Domination. That's all I'm well, saying. Well. The, the, this, this like, uh, face-off makes the least sense. Like, they were just two guys right. that got fired. Yes. And then Crush was like, I got a group of guys. And Savia's like, me too. Quinky dig, me also. Bunch of guys. I also found three other guys. How many people are, is Vince adding to the payroll, by the way? I mean, he's why, willing to do it. Where's the truth commission in all this? It's got to be a four corners, four way, four Ooh. guy, four on four. Let's do elimination. And then that way it can take just 15 years for everybody to get out of the match. With a Quattro's title. Great. What do we think? That's right. The DOA come out driving their bikes and they drive yes. down to the ring. They drive yep. around the ring. What? And they drive down. They're going to leave? 
They leave the they go down the aisle again because they're gonna park back where they came from. And then they run to the ring. And they run to the ring faster so than they get faster than their motorcycles can drive them. Oh my gosh. Um we're told that Ken Shamrock is on the superstar line. And I'm like <laughs> That doesn't yeah, I'm in, I'm in you pretty should... big trouble. <laughs> He's scared. He's so unstable we gave him a telephone. <laughs> guys, uh, I don't know. I think I just, I think I uh, I don't know if they're gonna be letting me back here, guys. I'm afraid uh, it might be the last time I'm on the call with you, I'm sorry. He's on the superstar line. He's freaked I out. Desperately want to hear recordings. Oh, I wish. Line. Vince asked why Ken Sherrock has not been escorted from the building. It's <laughs> like a very good question. Thank you. He's on the superstar line. He's got yeah. a, he's got his uh he's got his obligations. So these guys are fighting. I don't know. I can say that about every match, but these guys are just fighting each other, and there's a bunch of so anonymous guys. And then the Nation of Domination walk down to the ring through the crowd. Uh, yeah. A a guy at ringside lets them in, which I think is funny because they usually, if you walk through the crowd, you can't just walk into the ring. But if you're the Nation of Domination, you can. Um, I love the referee of this match. Sees the Nation of Domination is outside of ringside, and he does not care. I think it's Timmy White. It JR Timmy White. at one point says that uh, the ref's like the uh, only guard at the cell block, and he's just lost his keys. <laughs> he just lost his. He's so stoked about that line. He says a lot. He says he's like the only guard at the cell block, and then he comes back to me. He's like, and he's and it's like he lost his key. And he like comes back because he just I don't know if he thought and also he forgot more his something. last birthday. Uh, and his uh, he's, he's got to pick his daughter it. up from piano recital. He can't do it. Imagine if you were at work and someone wearing a shirt that said like "I hate your job" shows up. And, it, and you just like, they're in front of your building and you just let them show up. And you're just kind of like, whatever happens here is fine. I'm not concerned about this at all. That's what Tim White's doing by letting these guys just be around. He's like, you know what? I, I've, I've seen worse. He's like, what this. else can go wrong? Honestly. <sighs> yeah. FML, right? Wish Andre was still around. Aw. Check me. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> like, Tim White being all sad about that. That's a bummer. Um, so, yes, the initial nomination is there. Uh, yeah, JR also says that I hate to be the ref, and I'm like, I hate to be the fan watching this, which is me. <laughs> the problem with the DOA and Bariquas is, like, we know two of the guys, and then, like, three of them are, like, and also us. But we're like, why do we care that there's more of you? Especially right. with the Bariquas, where they're, like, a little smaller. Uh, you know, there's, I, I, I still know, is it Jesus and Jose, is Jose the other one? Uh, there's Jesus and oh gosh, I, I very intentionally did not I'm bother just gonna, like, to think of that. every. Actually, I, I I missed something when the Bariquas come out. They all go to the Spanish announce table and shake Tito Santana's hand. Yes, <laughs> that was great. Cabrera, but, like, gets a little there's too. there's there's Savio who we know, Miguel Perez who we saw like twice. He gets a shave your back chant here from the crowd in uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey, which is very mean from a crowd of what I can only imagine to be many Italians. Like guys, look yourself right. in the mirror, you know. Right. Yeah. Look! Don't look at the, don't look at the uh, the the splinter in one man's eye. <laughs> don't look at the hair on not one man's back when you ignore the <laughs> the tuft so, on your on your own. One of the members of the DOA, either chains or crushed, it's hard to tell. Goes outside. Even Vince got confused. He's confused. Well, chains confused. chains has his hair pulled back in a in a ponytail. Okay. And Crush has his uh, kind of down, uh, free flowing. But Vince at one point got confused. By the way, Change was awesome this match. He hits a bunch of like elbow drops. Uh, Change is on fire. He's running wild. A fire chain? What is this? This is uh, the Nick Cage movie but from Marvel? Fiery Chains? Boy. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, he comes out and confronts Ahmed. Who for some reason removes her mat at ringside? He's one of the uh, one of the padding on the floors is gone. So mm-hmm. awkward. Pi- so man, sorry. Uh, Ahmed Johnson picks him up like a pearl river plunge. But I need to make fifteen things clear to you. He yeah. picks him up like a pile driver. 
Mm-hmm. Not he doesn't do the double underhook on the arms. He lifts him up and he does a pearl or her plunge, which is essentially just a sit out power bomb. Uh, he says they do it on does it on the concrete. He's not Ahmed lands on the concrete. The okay. guy he does the pearl or her plunge to lands on Ahmed's knee. And will do you want to guess if Ahmed Johnson got injured from his knee from that moment? Are you kidding me? I'm not. Yes, he's injured from that knee from from no. the first thing he does. Because <laughs> I did notice that I was like, what? I was like, he. So it looked like he was going to do a pile driver, pile driver, and he turned to pearl pearl over prime. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, he didn't really. I mean, the guy just landed fully on his legs, both his legs, so on his legs, uh, yeah. not really on the concrete floor, and they really mm-hmm. try to make some hay out of that. Yes. Oh man, come on, man! I want you to do so well. It's breaking my heart. Yeah. Uh, pretty fantastic. So he's hurt. Um, Aboriqua jumps on that DOA guy and he gets the one, two, three. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and the Bariqu- gets, uh, Miguel, Miguel, uh, yeah, Miguel pins him. The Bariquas leave. The uh, DOA and the NOD, the Nation Domination, they brawl. Uh, and then Crush gets on his bike and he drives down the aisle to break it up, but it doesn't really amount to anything. I know it's a cool idea, but it's like he's like it's gonna run over someone's motorcycle. But everybody's like way out of the way, which they should be. Right. And he comes yes. around to do another pass. He like uh, he's like an Apollo, uh, you know, uh, moonlander. He's just kind of slingshotting around the moon and right. coming right yes. back. Of course, exactly. So anyway, it's a funny moment. Uh, the bikes and st- just the bikes of it all, where they they drive down and then drive around. It's like, what are we doing, man? Come on. At least they had music this time to go with their motorcycle. Uh, you know. They- Sounds. They both had some. They had some cool music, man. I thought I was, I was like down for it. I thought it was cool. I was like, I, I thought they did a good job with it. Um, so we move on to Owen Hart versus Steve Austin for the Intercontinental Championship. Oh boy. Uh, Steve Austin has to kiss Owen Hart's ass if he loses. He's gonna kiss my butt. Yeah, we get a video, and they do they do the great wrestling tradition of a video where a guy says a line and they repeat it throughout. And if you pick the right line and if it's the right delivery, it works, and it works here for me because yeah. Owen Hart is being interviewed at the beach. Yeah, for like superstars or something. Yeah, and Owen's talking about how he beats Austin at Canadian Stampede. And he says, I was the man who beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. We hear it repeated again and again. We see the clips of Austin freaking out and doing stuff. He says, I was the man who beat Stone Cold Steve Austin. And Owen's saying it so confidently that uh, I can't help but believe him. He's very believable. Very believable. So big fan of that. Like It was a solid little uh, intro there, so I thought he did a great job. Uh, Owen comes out solo for his match, which makes sense given how bad things have gone for the other hearts tonight. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention something. When Ken was attacking Bulldog, why did nobody from the Foundation come out and save him? Great question. I, I guess busy occupied, occupied with other things would be the only yeah. like conceivable explanation, even though it's not a good explanation. I mean, and, but he also comes out later. A Bulldog comes out later. Anyway. He does come out later. It's true. Uh, so, yes, it's a, it's, a, it's a funny thing that way. Uh, Michael Cole, an, an intrepid young man, is uh, – Tasked he was fired with, after this. He did a terrible job. He did a terrible job. He he is tasked with uh, going to to talk to Steve Austin backstage. He's running up to him during his entrance, or as he's trying to get to the entrance, and he's just like, "Hey, ah, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, I got a question for you. Uh, are you what's going on? How are you feeling?" And Austin just pushes him around and sends him packing. And Vince calls him overzealous, <laughs> which I found amusing. He's like, "Ah, he's trying too hard." Well, excuse me, Vince. <sighs> man, you know the job, uh, man. This gives us an opportunity to watch Steve Austin drink a bottle of water, pour it over his head, and then we follow him out the curtain, which yeah. always rules. Like, Sick. It's so awesome. And he gets a huge pop here in New Jersey. Yeah, it's awesome. So uh, people love him. They're huge fans. Uh, makes sense to put a belt on him here, I suppose. 
Uh, and then as <laughs> as Austin Austin stomping on the ring and giving people the finger, and Owen Hart attacks him right away, hits him in the knee before he can even get his vest off. And but Austin comes back, he starts kicking ass. We get this insanely loud Austin Austin chant, yeah. it, like one of those one of those chants that uh, like pops up so so loud so quickly that it's like uh, like like oh, almost overwhelming. Like whoa, okay, that's like it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, Owen counters Austin's attempt to smack his knee into a ring post, and he and he kind of pulls him at Austin into the ring post instead, and he gets knocked outside. And he starts working Austin's hand like he's like Pete freaking Dunn here, doing the the small That's joint right. manipulation. He's joint manipulation. Yeah, he's pushing the fingers apart. He's biting it. We're seeing these close ups of Owen just being such a devious little punk about it. <laughs> it's so awesome. We see Owen go up for a Hurricane Rana, but Austin catches it and power bombs him instead. Folks, have you ever seen Steve Austin do a power bomb? I have. I have now. But I've I've not previously. You have now, absolutely. The the announcers talk at length about how Austin has to win the title to avoid kissing Owen's butt. So in theory, Owen could get disqualified, which is a very silly concept. Which they have they mentioned that before until this match? They this... also do it in the main event. They're like, oh, if he gets kind of disqualified, that means he doesn't win the title and can't wrestle in the United States anymore. I think it's a hangover from Brett saying, I have to win the title in order to still wrestle in the United States again. Right, and so I feel like they're—I think they're, they're carrying that over to all these other things, which doesn't make sense. It's creating drama that doesn't make a lot of sense because Owen could just hit him with a chair and then be like, "Oops, you have to kiss my butt now." And it's like, "Oh, that doesn't doesn't make sense from how wrestling works." Like he he do he could do it immediately. Yeah, he could, and he's he could and he's motivated to do exactly that. <laughs> yeah. So why not? Uh, so yes, uh, we have uh, Owen then tries to leave. For the entrance. He heads for the entrance. Speaking of, is, yeah, just tries to get, like, counted out. It is the best heel move always. It's so just funny leaving. every time. Yeah, the best is when they, they're outside and they're kind of, like, backing up. And then they do the hand thing. Yeah. Oh, the hand thing The away. hand thing makes it. It makes the whole thing. I need you to be dismissive of this. The that is what matters. about it gesture. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's the best. do in real life. The best. Uh, Owen, then, he comes back. Owen gets a belly belly suplex. He hits a neck breaker on Austin. And then we start hearing them talk about Austin's neck. Jarrah says Austin yeah. may be having problems with his neck. He's had okay, it before. So, yeah, Owen's yeah. working the neck. That's part of the psychology of this match. Yeah. Owen goes for a crossbody from the second rope, but Austin flips over for a cover, and it gets two, and the fans love it. They're going crazy for it. Owen thinks it's a bridging German suplex for two with Jarrah and Lawler talking about, oh, it hurts Austin's neck. Then Owen gets this, this DDT, and he gets a sleeper hole, but Austin drops down in this stunner-like fashion. And Owen gets Austin back into a sleeper, but Austin gets out of it. Owen comes off the ropes. Austin goes to spin him around in a tilt-a-whirl. Owen gets out of that. He grabs Austin upside down in a tombstone position. And Owen's head is so low that when Owen sits down with it, with the pile driver, famously, he breaks Steve Austin's neck right here. And Austin's head is low. I mean, I've heard it. A thousand different discussions about this this instance, this whole this whole thing, and um, I think I remember hearing uh, Austin being like, "You're not going to sit down with it, right? You're going to go to your knees. You're not going to do the sit out." And I think I don't know if Owen assured him that, or if Owen's like, "No, I do the sit down thing." Um, obviously, knees are safer because you give more space for the head there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Austin breaks his neck. Yeah. And uh, let's just talk about what kind of what happens for the rest of the match here before we talk about some of the the after effects of that. Yeah. Um, Owen goes to cover him, but he doesn't really cover him. He kind of pops up and just starts talking to the crowd, saying, he's going to kiss my butt, like just trying to cover it. Owen does such a good job stalling here. 
Yeah. Uh, that like nobody in the audience knows what's going on. Maybe some people do, but like overall right. the audience is not like, it's not the kind of like injury where they're all like stunned silent, you know? No, for uh, sure. They're all just kind of like, oh yeah, he hit a tombstone pile driver. He hit a wrestling move. Hit and a big now move. he's going to do the next wrestling move. Like he's yeah. going to pin him and yeah, oh, and get he's, he's going to kiss my butt. And he starts like a Canada chant that, that makes everyone chant USA. All with all the while Earl is checking on Steve and like right away, when when he when he got hit, he kind of like tried to sit up because obviously he's not only is his neck broken, he's got to have a concussion too, right? He landed right on his skull. Oh yeah. Um. So and we can see his like his arms kind of move, his hands move. So thank thankfully he's not paralyzed because this will happen to somebody. Uh, right. within the year, two years in in the WWF ring, it'll happen to Draws. With Draws, uh, yep. We will. R.I.P. Draws, by the way. R.I.P. Draws. Yeah. Oh, on R.I.P. Oh, I mean so many people. Um. Yeah. 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 Honestly. Um, but, um, yeah, Steve's kind of moving, and no one's doing a really good job uh, stalling, so nobody really knows what's going on. And, like, the commentator's like, oh, yeah, I think JR says, yeah, I got him right in the head. And then Vince, after a second, is like, I think he's really hurt. Yep. He says, really hurt. We, the official's kind of talking to him there. And, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, in the after effects, we find out the referee's, like, kind of, like, communicating, like, what we should do here yeah, to Owen. Because he's still, the booking was that Austin wins the match, so... I guess I guess they still want to finish it. They don't want to call it like a no contest or something. So if they do that, Austin has to kiss his ass, right? That's the pro- that's the problem with the match is that <sighs> yeah. you set it up in such a way that it has to happen. Yeah, yeah. Even and though it's like get well, knocked out the year after at SummerSlam too in the Garden against Undertaker, he gets knocked bad, out like bad, right away. Bad luck in uh, in Tri State area SummerSlams there. Yeah, but that one's that's a little harder to tell that he he he's knocked out, but apparently he's knocked out the whole match. That's crazy. I'm going to go back and watch that again sometime soon because it was a fun one to watch, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, eventually Owen walks away. Steve Austin crawls over. He just barely rolls up Owen Hart in an all-time bad but understandable roll-up, and he gets yeah. the 1-2-3 three in the Intercontinental title. And the crowd pops yeah. huge. The crowd's uh, – the, yeah. and they don't care that it was they a bot. Like, botch. They're just kind of like, great, yeah, Steve won the Intercontinental yeah. title. So, so, yeah, it was great. Lawler's like, I think he might have broken his neck. Officials are like they're there. They're trying to help Steve up. Austin is barely standing; he can barely walk. I'm surprised he they didn't carry him out on a, sp- on a spine board. Like I don't know. It's, it's a great question I, as to why. I just it didn't took get my there. first aid a couple of months ago, and the first yeah. thing you do when you find someone who's fallen is you get them in what's called C spine position, cervical spine. Yeah. You put your elbows on the floor. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a professional paramedic or anything, but like you put your yeah. elbows on the floor and you hold them by the spine so you stabilize it so that. You know, if they did break their neck, they don't worsen it. So Earl sits Steve up. Steve stands up, holds up the title, and they just got to carry him away. It's like his neck is broken. He's got to be laying down on a on the right. Although they do frame it like he doesn't want help from anybody. Oh, he's so tough. Yeah, it seems like the, the what they are about to do is just get him to the back, so we can uh, just have him immediately. So you have um, the dignity of like he walked out under his own power, and then immediately like Steve lay down. Lay down on this, please. Like, they got to yes. have something ready for him. So he he looks very heroic here for the degree of um, severity of the injury. It actually doesn't seem as bad as you think it would be, uh, oddly enough, even though we do know he just landed right on his head. But right. they fra- I don't know. They frame it in such a way. And, like, uh, we can talk about the aftermath of, like, how it affected Steve in a second, but. For the people in the building and the people watching, they're just kind of like, oh, I guess you get kind of hurt. Because we also don't know, you know, how severe injuries will um, affect wrestlers, you know, further down the line. We're not really at that point yet. Right. 
Absolutely, you know? yeah. We, we have all sorts of questions about that. I mean, yeah, so we have this moment where we see Austin's big push both starting and then abruptly stopping in pretty much the same moment. Yeah, he's 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 at once the tag team champion and intercontinental champion right now. He's very yeah. entrenched in the show. Obviously, he's due for an even bigger push coming down the line. Yeah, and he's uh, you know obviously a major figure, and so we'll see him going forward with that. But yeah, um, Austin is a stinger. He doesn't really get doesn't really get the surgery that he needs for it uh, for like a long time, and there's all sorts of there's all sorts of um, consequences of that. How long is he out for? Um, when he does the, uh, like when he, when he leaves, leaves or when he, when he, when does he actually wrestle his next match? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Cause I don't, I mean, think we'll he... find out soon enough. Is it I rock guess. bottom that he wrestles again? Is that December or no, he wrestles at Survivor Series 97. Actually, that's wrong. Hold on. I'm just going to, we're going to, we're going to eliminate all questions here in just one moment. Whenever he's patient with me. Is they, you guys does he have a Survivor Series match? I didn't think he was in Montreal. I thought he wasn't there. Oh, he wrestles, uh, he wrestles uh, Owen again, doesn't he? Let me double check here. So, yeah, we go to 11. So, um, he he gets hurt by uh, by uh, Steve Austin. It's, yeah, okay, he gets hurt by Owen. And then it says here, okay, this is weird. I, don't, I kind of find this hard. Okay. Some, some reason Cage Match says there's a guy named Stunning Steve who wrestles the next month. In Burlington, Ontario, doesn't seem right. Um, no. It's it seems no. like he beats Triple H uh, in October, so he takes he, t- he takes you know just about three months off because it's the end of October it actually happens, and uh, he's wrestling Triple H a couple of times because kind of a sign that how much he's trusted there. Uh, and then it's Survivor Series '97, he beats Owen Hart for the for the Intercontinental Title again. Oh, okay. Spoilers for a show we're going to do later on. Yeah, but they're short then, matches. Then... It's like four minute match. He faces The Rock in a five minute match. Um, the Rock. Where's that guy been? Right. Well, sorry, I say The Rock, but I'm like, who's that? Um, so, yeah, we're taking some time to actually get get there. So, yeah, we're told later on that Austin's going to be going to the hospital. So, but yeah, this is just like a, a you know, just like an insanely consequential circumstance from a very famous guy. And, uh, yeah, just kind of crazy to see it. It's Mince crazy does to talk say about. hospital, doesn't say local medical facility. He says hospital. It's true. Yeah, that's the word t- hospital. But, yeah, Steve very badly injured. Um, but the match before it, Really good, yeah. It really totally. good. Apart from the very tra- the kind of the un- very unfortunate uh, ending, um, and yeah, this would cut this would would cut years and years and years off Steve's life. Uh, Do we ever find uh, out? Uh, well, Steve, sorry, life his career at the time of recording. He's still uh, going, uh, man. He is Thankfully. still going. Yeah, uh, and he'll he'll talk to you about this match. I mean, you know, he's, he's oh absolutely. Just, he has no he has no um, no problem doing that, but. This this shaved years off his life, like he his career will. He's still alive. He keeps saying life. Sorry, Steve Austin is alive. I'm so sorry, Steve Austin is alive. I'm gonna have to DM him. Like, please, playing tears of the kingdom. Um, <laughs> Thankfully, but yes, yeah, took concern. years off his career. He retired in 2003. Yeah, uh, and um, who knows? Yeah, who knows how long he could have been around? Maybe he could have done another five or ten or, or something like that yeah it's a good question it's uh it's too bad it's just one of those rough things um so that was something i wasn't looking forward to talking about on the podcast this max match is this is also one of those shows where they have like an hour set aside for the all the hoopla around the main event between video packages and entrances and it's the ending 50 of it. it's 50 minutes uh that they have yeah. for like brett undertaker and sean yeah but it you is want brett, to talk about yeah. who's at the top of the card is like these three guys that's it. It's the Undertaker defending his WWF Championship against Bret Hart with a special guest referee in Shawn 
Michaels. And we begin with a video which goes over all the stipulations. Specifically, if Brett does not win the WWF Championship, he cannot wrestle in the United States again. And then Sean was made special guest referee, but he said, hey, when I was made referee, they said I cannot – I have to be impartial to this match. I cannot favor The Undertaker. And if I am partial, I also can't wrestle in the WWF – sorry, in the United States again, rather. So Sean and Brett still just trying to wrestle in front of people in Poughkeepsie. Those those toe picking people. For those, dime for those dime uh, for those toe picking people. Everyone's just picking their feet in Poughkeepsie. So I've often. seen I've heard it happen, of course. Yeah. Uh, I've never Sean Sean claims he'll be impartial, but we see in that video package that he got involved in Brett's match against the Patriot on Monday, which led to Brett losing. And then we saw we saw the Undertaker come out, which we missed on TV, and he stood at the top of the ramp and he raised the title over his head. And that was it. By the way, did we talk about the? I just learned this about the Patriot when I looked up his photo. He's yep. uh, no longer with us. Del Wilkes is, has passed. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yes, twenty-one. Sorry. It turns out if you do as much steroids as they let you, <laughs> uh, your heart usually doesn't let you enjoy that. So that is or, an issue. Or maybe there's one needle he wouldn't take. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he's from South Carolina. Yeah, no, he because he had a whole legal thing, well, where he was like writing prescriptions for himself for steroids. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. He was like, he got into like some real shady stuff with like pharmacies and stuff. Yeah, that's true. Oh, where's his dark side of the ring? Oh, boy. Uh, there actually might be, it. is there not, there actually might be one, honestly. Uh, the, well, it would be next season. If, if it hasn't already, you have an encyclopedic memory of such things. Is that true? I do. <laughs> is it true, sir, that you have, no, I, I don't know it uh, <laughs> like for gospel, but I do remember kind of what they run down this past season and, and right. uh, he wasn't one of them. He wasn't on there. They were they weren't doing anything that patriotic. All right, that's right. Yeah. Todd Pettengill then says this is the de- biggest WWF title match of the year, and I I guess it's true. I mean, it's, it's one that I find especially important, but uh, it says it's true. It won't end up being the biggest one of the year, but it's very high up there. In in some ways, yes, I suppose that is true. <laughs> Unfortunately, in '97, there was one WWF Championship match that takes the cake, probably in history. So there are some outlying matches. <laughs> that's right. So I look forward to breaking down that match as like an actual match, which is going to be strange. It's going to be very strange. But we'll we'll get into it then. Uh, we hear the familiar guitar street screech. Here comes Brett, the hitman Hart, walking out by himself. No Hart Foundation guys, but he is toting a Canadian flag with him. And Brett gets the ring. He requests so Canada to be played. It plays all the way through. And I was just waiting for Sean to interrupt him, and he just simply did not. And I was like, oh, okay. Because it's kind of like Vince frames it as like despicable to even interrupt the Canadian anthem. Do you remember that they did an Edmonton? Uh, I think Steve Austin interrupted them uh, listening to the anthem, and Vince was like taking his glasses off at the desk. Like I'd like to uh, formally apologize to uh, the Canadians for that show of disrespect from uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, no one, no one would interrupt. Yeah. Why is Sean out second too? By the way, uh, it just makes no sense. He should go first. He should come out first. Be like, introducing first, this referee. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he should come out first. <laughs> and uh, Sean comes out. He's got the pyro. Jr.'s like, oh great, now every ref's gonna want pyro. Which uh, I, I'm gonna have the exact same well. thought. I had the exact same thought. It's like he's a ref. But, You're like I dancing mean, all the way down. Sean like, of course he wants to do that. Sean isn't wearing the, for some reason, I remember this is the match with the, sh- the very, 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 very short shorts. Uh, I think that's the Iron Man match. Judgment um, Day, correct. Yep. Um, he's wearing pants here. He made, he made a choice to wear pants. He's wearing very tasteful pants, a very loose-fitting shirt. He's got red and uh, red. 
He's got white and black wrist tape on. Uh, it's the first yeah. match he's ever officiated, and he does a good job, actually. It counts good, and he's like really watching for the hair pulls. Well, he's this, uh, he, he is thorough, and I appreciate that. There's a lot to enjoy with his, uh, his actions here, for sure. Um, especially the inning. Uh, <laughs> I never really understood. Okay, so Undertaker comes out. Undertaker does the thing where he stands in the corner, and he raises his arms over, kind of out. And the lights come out, and there's like an explosion noise. But I guess, what is it, like thundercrack or something like that? No, that's the sound of all the light switches getting flicked at once. Is that what it is? <laughs> Boom. They, did, they do the boot instead of like, because, yeah, at one point you do like the slow raise the lights, which is, I just imagine the guy at the back like. Just like gently lifting them up. There. You have yeah, that exactly. like fader in your house, right? Like the, the lights. Uh, you can do that, uh, do that tonight. It'd be a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. But then, yeah, now he comes back this more kind of like, when he came back as like the Kiss Demon. Survivor Series 96. Uh, now he's more of a badass character, so he gets to do like boom. And what is that, Matt? Yeah, it's all the light switches. I don't, I don't know. But Brett does react to it. He's like, oh man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. JR also says, like, oh, I almost lost my hat or something like that. I almost lost my hat. Yeah, that's Which right. I love as a detail. Uh, so uh, Sean has to check Brett for foreign objects first. Yeah, uh, and he Sean explains why. He, he protests, but he's like, look, you, I got to go to the champion second. You know that. That's how it works. Um, so Sean follows the rules. Vince even points out, he's like, I haven't seen this happen in years. He's like, pointing out, like this is like some real old school thing to do, which I thought was so amusing. Yeah. He's exactly. kind of like, oh, strange choice to, to be so thorough about that. He goes, he goes over and checks uh, Undertaker as well after he checks Brett. Uh, and JR points that uh, until last year, Taker was 5-0 and at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. Like, this, this guy was just getting streaks all over the place. <laughs> streaks all over. The- Could have had a yeah. SummerSlam streak. I agree with that. Right. But if he had two at the same time, they're promoting both of them. <laughs> like, oh, he's got, still got his WrestleMania streak, of course. Uh, and he's, so at 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 no mercy, he's four and one. So he's only lost one time. It's <laughs> doing everything they can. And on SmackDowns in November, he is eighteen and zero. Somehow, this is amazing. They should be saying that. Like often, they'll do like streaks, like Goldberg, like win streaks, or sometimes they have like you know. Uh, um, Kurt Hawkins like losing streaks or something. He was like, yeah, yeah. "Oh, Undertaker uh, in the month of uh, November is uh, four, two, and one." So it looked pretty good. I mean, that's what they do with NFL all the time. They're always kind of like the the Arizona Cardinals have not won a game in Texas since this time. You're kind of like, "Cool, none of those guys played for that team then, so it does not matter. These are not the same people. They're and they're not cursed. So what are we doing?" Last time they won here, 1961, the Cactus Bowl. Everyone remembers that. There was yeah. a score of uh, seven to two. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. That's essentially what they're saying when they do insane commentary like that. They got seven passing yards. So Sean gets the belt from uh, from Undertaker. Uh, he holds it over his head. Brett kind of grabs the belt. He raises it over his head. And he turns around. He runs to the corner. And he hits Undertaker in the head with it. And then he jerseys Undertaker Brett's with his so- silly robe. And he starts beating him up because the bell has not rang yet. I love heel Brett so much. It's the best. He's, such He's a smart dick. as hell. Oh, it's, it's great. Yeah. And so Sean's like, ah, what the frick? Okay, fine. Read the bell. He just gets the match started. Let's go with it. Um, and uh, Sean breaks the match up, but breaks it up to kind of let, them, let them go. And Tigger gets, uh, recovers. He ends up outside the ring where he drives Brett into the post several times, even though Sean is loudly counting him out and also threatening to disqualify him. And he's like, take, take Brett back into the ring. He's very firm about that. Yeah. And uh, Tigger gets a bunch of bear hugs, but then Brett comes back. He starts working Taker's knee. And we see Brett get a figure four leg lock on the Undertaker in the middle of the ring. And then out waddles Paul Bearer, who has been giving Taker grief for weeks and weeks now about the supposed brother named Kane that the Undertaker might have. 
So and, yeah, I I always I, I always have to ask this with the Paul Please. Bear Undertaker thing and any yeah. manager wrestler feud. Mm-hmm. Usually that manager has what we call muscle with him. He has his new big guy. Right. You can't touch me because I have him. Yep. He's, what kind of idiot just walks out to the Undertaker? What does he expect is going to happen? Does Paul Bear that he's going to distract the Undertaker so much that he'll lose? And Undertaker will just get frustrated and be like, "Uh, crap." It's a great question. I mean, he he supposedly he, he seems like he may have some muscle somewhere. That's kind of the suggested thing. Is like, oh, even some Vince night. alludes, yeah. It's like, are we gonna see Kane? Some night Kane is. We're gonna say, oh, maybe Kane will come out, and someday it'll actually be the case. It'll actually be there. Yeah. Uh, so instead, he's just there. Paul Bearer is to mug to the camera, just make yeah. the silliest silliest faces constantly, manipulate his neck fat. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Undertaker notices. Paul Bearer. <laughs> he hulks up. <laughs> he a good rever- shot of him just looking at him like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he reverses a figure four, but Brett gets in the ropes, and so we get separated here. So Taker goes to attack Paul Bearer outside the ring, but Brett follows Taker out and he chop blocks him. Well, not before Undertaker slugs Paul down twice. Oh yeah, sorry. He gets to t- Paul Bearer. He really <laughs> the, gets him the business. Brett's not protecting Paul. Undertaker yeah, yeah, gets yeah. to him, but he's an idiot because anything happening outside the ring has to be dealt with immediately. Yeah, well, it, it, Shawn Michaels is like, he comes over and he's like, he gets mad at Brett for doing the chop block, but it's like, he's that's allowed. What's what's wrong with that? Uh, I mean, you can't chop block outside like, the ring anymore. What is this? I wonder if he's doing Bill Watts rules. No moves off the top rope. Ooh. Uh, actually, wait, if they're outside the ring, that's a D, that's an automatic DQ, isn't it? Well, you, can't, you can't throw a guy over the top rope to the floor. That's right. Will I literally just watch a match where that happened? <laughs> literally just watch JR a match. Loves the, JR loves all those. It's like, you eliminate a finish if you get rid of the rules. That's what the rules are for. That's it. That's what they're for. Uh, so, Shawn Michaels gets a couple of referees to get rid of Paul Bearer and Brett. Uh, uh, so, get rid of Paul Bearer as Brett lines up a ring post figure four on Taker. And so, I love the First off, I just love the idea of having referees available. Just be like, go get them, boys. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that. Well, there should be a referee bullpen. We've talked about that f- as well. And so there should just be a section of the arena where guys are just kind of warming up with their, 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 their clap and everything like that. And the referee in the ring kind of calls one guy over, and then just one referee comes over. and like, bunch of refs sitting there. Yeah. They got like ice on their shoulders. And they're just kind of like hunched the relievers. Over eating a bunch of like sunflower seeds. <laughs> exactly. They're telling jokes to each other. They're wearing their starter jackets. They're all excited. Just sitting there like, so, Undertaker is in a ring post figure four. Uh, Shawn Michaels comes out to like yell at Brett. He's like, "Stop doing that!" Brett's like, "I can, you can try to disqualify me, pretty much." And so Shawn starts counting: one, two, three, four. As soon as he hits four, Brett releases the hold. I think uh, at one point the crowd like starts to count with him as well because right. the crowd's like, "Oh, we get it. Oh, we know what's happening." Then we see Owen Hart and Brian Pillman make their way to ringside, and Shawn Michaels immediately admonishes them. Probably says Owen's not a safe worker or something like that. Probably know. Well, both these guys lost their match. They're like they're not excited to be there. They're not like their usual like <laughs> like Hard yeah. Foundation self. They're kind of like, well, we're here. <laughs> hey, well, if you want a Hard Foundation guy to be laughing and around there, I mean, you need a different member. You gotta get. The I know he's, he's he, I think he's still working out some contract stuff with another That's promotion it. right now. That's right. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Shawn Michaels immediately gets yeah he immediately gets mad at Owen and Bowman like I said. Uh, Brett gets Taker in a leg lock, but uh, Taker smacks his way out of it with his leg. Then Taker heads outside to smack Owen and Pillman. <laughs> so Sean, like, oh my god, yes, oh my god, guys, you're gonna come out here. <laughs> Sean goes out to send those guys to the back, and while it's happening, Brett runs at Taker. Taker grabs him by the throat. He lifts him up, and he plants him with a choke slam. 
Huge chokeslam. Brett kicks his legs, feet so high in the air. He looks great. It's awesome. Uh, Undertaker covers Brett, but Shawn Michaels is just still busy at ringside. He's, you can see he's like looking backwards to make sure those guys are gone. He does he's a good job of it. Such a great job of yeah. not looking at the ring at all. He's still like, I'm still gonna look over here just to make sure. Yeah. And the crowd's like, Can we get together? He's just like, oh, I don't know. I didn't notice as much. So he he goes. He, so we have Undertaker kind of turn around and be like accosting Shawn Michaels for for missing that. That's right. And uh, as he does that, Brett rolls Taker up, so Shawn Michaels dives in, and he has to count, but only gets two, but it was exciting. <laughs> and then Brett gets an axe handle, a jumping snap suplex, and a second rope elbow drop, complete with double birds, to the crowd for count of two. And Brett grabs a Russian leg sweep, he gets a leg drop, but then an Undertaker counters a sharpshooter by grabbing Brett by the throat. Good counter. Yeah. Uh Taker gets a leg drop on Brett for two, then he grabs Brett from the apron and brings him into the ring for a chokeslam for another two count. That looked pretty awesome. That was like uh, Paul White-esque. Right? Yeah, exactly. He picks him up and kind of spins around with him. Yeah. Just like in WCW NWO Revenge, just to mention that one. That's a gift. Ever heard of that? Taker goes to the top rope, but Brett kicks the turnbuckle to drop Taker crotch first on the ropes, which I liked. Just kicking. It's the only smart counter you can do, and Brett does it. Do it. Of course. He's He's the right guy. Um... You know how in, in recent uh, years there's been wrestlers who are just like doing covers of matches. CM Punk did like a Bret Hart like match and everything like that. Yeah, I, I saw a clip of that recently, and I saw someone say like, you know, I like Bret Hart matches more when he's wrestling them. Yeah, good joke, good line. Well CM done. Punk, everybody's favorite guy. Good guy, easy to work with, agreeable. <laughs> I mean, I could will if we recorded this podcast a year ago, we would say the exact same thing. That's and I pray, I pray for the sake of somebody who just enjoys drama. That we do it again next year. <laughs> I don't wish toxic workplaces on other people, but when you're picking up a billion, a billionaire's picking up the check, and uh, you just keep doing it, and you're not doing anything differently. All right, let's go. I don't know. We'll see what happened uh, a half hour ago. Um, sorry, I, I digress. Yeah, uh, we are recording this just after all in, just to be clear, and, and during the dynamite after all in. That's right. Uh, so uh, yes, Brett goes to the top rope for Superplex on Taker. They nearly blow it. But they ended up getting it, and they get a large superplex from the top. Yeah, rope. that's a that's an extra large. Jr. loses his mind. He's like, All it's right, not extra large. It's from a cage. Will come on, six to, but it's a large. But Undertaker is extra large, or is this a, a, a is or is this a large plus? Is that, I think it's is large. It is? Large with extra cheese. I'm recently ever since I, I went back and watched the uh, the clip of DDP uh, superplexing Hardcore Holly and then like kind of breaking his neck. Yeah. And so now every time I watch a superplex, I'm like freaked out that the person doing it isn't going to be uh, careful enough with themselves. And Brett, Brett lands pretty hard on his, his back and, and, and neck there, too. But uh, Will you be able yeah. to tell if uh, if uh, the guy doing the suplex ends up kicking the guy in the dick on the way uh, when he lands? Cause also a thing what, that happened. Yeah, that's what Hardcore Holly was like, dude, you got me right in the dick. And DDP's like, hey, my life is over. But it's not because <laughs> he has DDP yoga. Yeah, Will... You're just Will is calling uh, all sorts of. Uh, he's declaring. He's like you're like the uh, you're the coroner declaring death. Uh, what's Rob Lowe's character on Parks and Rec where he says uh, science, Chris Traeger? Uh, that's right, Chris Traeger. It's literally Chris Traeger, and he says uh, science has uh, recently discovered that man can live to 125 years 125 125 years old. I intend to be that person. Yeah, that's right. But Will is going to be calling everybody dead by the end of it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brett goes from that superplex into a sharpshooter on Taker, 
And Tigger doesn't move until he flexes and breaks the sharpshooter just by moving his legs, which leads JR to scream about how no one has ever done it. JR loses his mind. Yes. I would argue no one has ever done it because I don't think it makes any sense. Especially with your knee being hurt. You shouldn't be able to just power out with your hurt knee and do it. It's like, come on. You have you have no leverage. And the guy sitting on you has all the leverage. But I guess right. I would... Uh, Undertaker's legs are really long, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I, I maybe, maybe let him do it. It's, it's questionable. It's unquestionable. So, of course, Tigger does that. Brett flies out of the ring because of the force of the sharpshooter getting broken up. He ends up in New York City, actually. He flies out all the way out of the metal. He's all the way. It's crazy because he's very far away from New York in that sense. Well, I mean, it's the shadow. Yeah. Taker goes for a tombstone, but Brett slips out of it. Uh, then Brett drops Taker down on his stomach this time. He takes to the post again, but instead of a ring post figure four, he gets him in a ring post sharpshooter. Yeah. Fun move. Not easy to do. But Not easy to fun. do. Doesn't look great, but I do like the uh, the idea of it. It gets the it gets the idea across though, and especially it enough he like puts that. it on a, in a certain way because of what happens next. Yes, and so uh, he is he so so Brett is doing the ring post sharpshooter. He's like facing the outside. He's on the ground. Shawn Michaels comes out to like a cost Brett again, be like, "Hey man, stop doing this around the ring post stuff, man. Like you're gonna get disqualified." So he starts count, counting, one, two, three, four. But this time, Taker breaks the hold at four, and so Brett falls onto Sean, who hurts his knee. Mm-hmm. Um, Sean actually did hurt his knee. I don't know if it's actually here, but like he gets hurt his knee again. It's, bad night for, it's a bad night for injuries. I know. So uh, with Sean a little bit hobbled, Brett takes the opportunity to grab a chair, which he uses to smack Taker in the head before throwing it in the corner. Uh, Sean almost saw him hit it, but he did not. Which is fortunate. Um, Brett covers Taker for a very close two count, which he and uh, our Shawn Michaels argue about. And then we get my favorite ending for a wrestling match, probably all time. <laughs> so Brett punches Taker in the corner. And as Shawn Michaels is watching this, he notices the chair that Brett just threw into the other corner. And so he goes and he picks it up and he confronts Brett with it. Brett says it isn't his. He kind of points to a guy in like the front row, almost as if like, well, that guy threw it. Like he, it's, it's Lou, it's Captain Lou Albano. Oh, <laughs> I love the idea of him factoring into this. He says, it's not mine. It's over there. Go away. Leave me alone. He waves Shawn Michaels alone. Or, or, he waves, waves Shawn Michaels off. Shawn Michaels spins Brett around, being like, no, like I'm not going to let you get away with this. And Brett clearly says, F you. And he Is spits. It clear? I thought he said something else. No, clear definitely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> clear as day. It's clear as day. He spits in Shawn Michaels' face. Big old it's, gob. It's a gob of spit. It's so gross, but it's perfect for the moment. So Sean has had enough. He takes the chair. He hauls off. He swings to the fences at Brett. But Brett drops down, and directly behind Brett is the Undertaker. So Sean hits the Undertaker square in the head yeah. with a chair pretty, shot that, like, is you know, pretty, it's, it's, good. Pretty it's a big chair shot. Yeah. Yeah. So Brett drops down. He grabs Taker, kind of pulls him out of the corner a little bit by the chest, and then he covers him. And he waves Shawn Michaels over, like, hey, hey, count the pinfall. Like, let's go. And you see Shawn Michaels go, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. And so Shawn, kind of halfway out of the ring, he counts one, and he looks up at Brett. He counts two and looks up at Brett. He counts three. He turns around so mad and just leaves immediately. And the crowd doesn't know what to do. You hear the crowd reacting. The commentators are in shock. They're not saying anything. Taker drags himself out of the ring, following Shawn Michaels. JR says, this is horrible. (laughs) Bret Hart is pelted with garbage. Then he's handed the belt as Howard Finkel declares him the new WWF champion. 
There's security so, around the ring, extra security presence as well. Yeah, they're, there you go. They're definitely uh, afraid of something. Yeah, for sure. That's Brent raises five figures above his head, indicating he is now a five-time WWF champion. And now Owen Bulldog and Brian Pillman come down to the ring to celebrate with Brett as we see replays of that great ending. And it's just, it's, it's a perfect storm, right? You, it's this, it's yeah. this perfect wrestling guy. And this is a great, I love a good main event where you have special guest referees already at Sports Entertainment Gaga, as Will often says. Uh, and you have Paul Bear wandering out. You have uh, Brian Pillman and Owen wandering out, right? And uh, Sean is so mad. He has to go after Brett. He makes a huge mistake. He has to pay for it. Brett is in a perfect position. He has to count the ring fall. It just feels like the perfect example of things lining up for the perfect drama in pro wrestling. What could be better, I ask you? Uh, very few things. I, I, I like this uh, I like this quite a bit. There's like a semi-pop when Brett wins as well. Like there are some like Bret Hart fans still in the crowd. Uh, if they came from Canada or if they're in the U.S. and maybe they're defectors. Um, yeah. But they, but also the place like starts clearing out. Like the, you see a lot of red seats after the. So people just like it's like your team lost. Right. Uh, like the game. Like the game. You're just like, well, I'm leaving. I saw there was a guy. The other team celebrate. I went back and watched the the ending again because I often rewatch this ending. And there's a guy. Uh, I saw a guy in the crowd. A few set free rows back on a ball with a mustache, kind of. What was who's the guy in FDR who's not the uh, the gun toting one? Oh man, uh, <laughs> Dax. Uh, Dax. The guy like Dax. And so after Sean hits Undertaker with a chair and Brett covers him, uh, you can see the guy kind of say to somebody, kind of like, oh, "Not this." Like it's kind of this is a very nice <laughs> reaction of him just being like, "No, no, come on, no." You know, and and if they had if they had the forethought, they would like when the when the streak was broken right by Brock, they they knew to have the cameras pointed at the crowd. Yeah, at WrestleMania 30, and we had so many great, great, genuine fan reactions. I yeah. think this would have been the same kind of thing, where, you know, or like when Shawn Michaels lost his smile. You know, they have all those like the crying women, women who were generally like moved to tears, who were just like Shawn might not. Some of them are at the beginning of the show in that video package. They're immortalized, right? Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's it's a great finish. It's almost like the only finish they can do too. Be like. Sean oh, is is just about to like if he hit that chair shot on Brett, he would have not been able to wrestle in the U.S. again. But his emotions got the best of him, and it was like the only outcome you could have had where it's like everything just like balanced on a razor's edge right in that one second, and uh, it, it it went Brett's way. It was perfect. Yeah, I love it. So uh, yeah, Brett heads to the back with his boys, wrapped the Canadian flag as the audience remains shocked, and we go off the air. Yeah. So will. I'd love to get your final thoughts on the show. We uh, and we also use a three-tier rating system here mm. on the Smack Attic podcast for the Hitman's last great year. Uh, if it's a bad show, we say it's in the dungeon. It's coming. Eh. We say it's a in the Nightheart zone, which is becoming a more ephemeral place because Nightheart not being around, it's becoming more of like a phantom zone kind of thing. But it's like yeah, it's between good and bad. And if it's a good show, you would say it's a TBT, ITBT, WTBTEWB. That's the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Will your thoughts on your show and your rating, if you please, sir. It's a good show. Uh, I think the top and the tail and the pre-tail are the best parts. Uh, and the middle's okay um, with some train wrecky stuff in there. Aside from the horrible injuries that some people sustained, um, it was a great night, a great night for storytelling. Uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I'm going to give it a T-I-T-B-W-T-B-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-B-W-T-
yeah. and the hour or so at the end of the show is uh, it's just about as good as it's going to be. Uh, what yeah. an ending! It reminds me of there's um, uh, it's that raw where it's uh, Brett versus Sid in the steel cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right before I, WrestleMania 13. Right before WrestleMania. Like there's there's just a whole period of Raw where if you start watching Raw at that moment, it's like 40 minutes left in the show, and you watch it. Maybe not 40 minutes, but like just everything after that is so gold and so perfect, and that's what it feels like at the end of the show. Bret Hart is the champion. He and the show are both the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, as far as I'm right. concerned. Yeah. R.I.P. to Undertaker's excellent, excellent, excellent title run that we all love so very much. That's really what we should be talking about here. Is that Ding Dong the Witch is dead, which is to say. An all-time terrible know. title reign. I mean, there's also been all sorts of bad title reigns where it's like, you know, five days or ten days, and it's not really eventful. There's other ones where you literally go WrestleMania to SummerSlam, and uh, it's bad. It's bad all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. A taker only does better from here on out. The Truly. No, the Kane stuff rules pretty hard. So I'm, I'm very much looking for, well, the bad and the bad blood match is awesome as well. Actually, I'm very looking forward to the, the fall. It's getting good, man. It like Raw's getting like exciting. Like it's getting like kind of like wall to wall. Like at least something happens every segment. So right. it's you know we're we're getting there, man. It's only gonna get hotter. That's after it. the summer somehow. <laughs> that doesn't make hmm, this makes sense. Practically yeah, very seriously. Meteorology. I for one that very seriously. Uh, so Will, we're gonna be coming back. Not you, but somebody else. Uh, but uh, you're here. Oh, you're okay. the well. You're the person I can talk to when I'm on be- talking on behalf of the other people. Um, we're gonna be watching the August fourth, nineteen eighty seven episode of Raw is War. It's the episode right after SummerSlam, of course. And the bonus match is going to be. Let me see here. Uh, Brett versus British Bulldog from SummerSlam nineteen ninety two. Okay, interesting. So we'll what? be talking about that on the podcast. What country was that in? I don't know. I it believe it was in. Uh, it was in a stadium that hasn't really come up in wrestling recently. So interesting. No, we'll it's not. That. Definitely not that version of the stadium anyway. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Will, thank you for being here, my guy. I appreciate you coming out here. Matt, I'm going to uh, stand up, unbuckle my jeans, undo the fly, and I'm going to make you kiss my butt. I thankfully will not be doing that. Oh. And no one will have to listen to that. Folks, you can also follow us Smack Attic Pod on Instagram and Twitter. You can share the show with a friend. Or you can also review us on Apple Podcasts. Tell Tim Cook that we were doing a good job. It would mean the world to me, and he would be very supportive of the show, and I appreciate that. So, folks, I'm glad you don't have to eat the dog food. I'm glad you don't have to kiss any butts, and I'm glad you get to wrestle in the United States again. Talk to you again.